All right, guys, we are live. This is uh, this is numbered as episode number 72 of Sports Cards Live, special New Year's Eve, uh, fireside chat, uh, party, whatever you want to call it. We're just here to hang out because, uh, hey, it's New Year's Eve and a bunch of people are kind of probably not hanging out with anyone else right now because that's just what's going on in 2020. So um, if you are watching right now, welcome to the show. We have Matthew Burdick, we have Corey, we have Joe. And we are just going to uh, hang out. And we have Paul in the background. We're going to bring Paul in right now. Paul, right now. Paul, welcome back. Can you hear us? Paul, can you? can you hear me? We can hear you a little bit. Not too bad. So, all right, guys. Well, listen, I mean, first of all, thanks to those of you who have joined, uh, joined me tonight here. Um, again, as I've said to these guys backstage, don't really have an agenda set up. So we're just going to kind of hang out. And uh, I do have a box of Upper Deck Series 1 that I, I got as a Secret Santa gift. So definitely going to open this. Can start doing that soon. Maybe, you know, maybe hidden Alexi Lafreniere. Who knows? Who knows? Native card guys there. Happy New Year to you. Brian Gray, BG, Happy New Year to you. Feel free to join the show, guys. The, the, the post, uh, the link to get in here is up in the Facebook group, and um, I'm going to put it on the screen. I'm going to put it in the comments, actually, as well. So let me do that right now. I'm going to put the screen in the comment, or the, 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 I'm going to put the link in the comment. There it should go. So if anybody, oh, yeah, look at that. It posted to YouTube and to Twitter. Anyone wants to join, hit that and come on in. We'll, we'll admit you in. We got room for 10 people. That's about it, just 10 people. So Hockey guy, Chris, welcome to the show. Billy's coming on the screen. Billy from Upper Deck. Upper Deck. There he is. What's up, Billy? Good morning. Okay. <laughs> Happy New Year to Terry Fortune. Okay, look at this. Six guys in the room. I've never done this before. So a couple things, guys, that are in the room with me. Uh, I haven't heard any. I, I heard a, a hint of echo a few seconds ago, but just a hint. So if you are not really speaking, if you can mute yourself, that would probably be helpful. But if you are speaking, then take yourself off mute and try to keep a, try to keep mind to whether you're on mute or not. <laughs> BG, Billy, are we allowed to share a screen? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Brian. Come on in. No problem. We're, I told Billy, this is we're, we're not talking business here. We're having fun. We're just talking. We're just keeping it light tonight. Keeping it light. Yeah, I'm welcome to the show. Good to see you, buddy. Austin, happy new year to you. So, oh, we got Bobby Burrell's joining us. Bobby, welcome to the show. Okay, we got room for, that's, what's that? Three, six, seven. I think we got room for one or two, two or three more people. So whoever gets here first gets to come on. All right, look at this. Look at this room of misfits. I love it. Three of you guys I've had on before. Three of you guys I've never seen before. So uh, that's okay. fun. That's fun. So let's take a minute. Let's take a minute. Let's go around and just uh, kind of, first of all, I want to say Happy New Year's to everybody. Happy, happy New Year to all you guys on the screen. Happy New Year to everyone else who's watching. Um, the only business we have is Ziggy Palfy, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. You've seen me like, like 20 years ago. Happy New Year, Sean Kirby. So guys, what's going on? Who wants, who wants, who's got something to say? If you have something to say, I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna say, put up your hand. Let me know who's got something to say. I'm gonna, there we go. Corey, what is going on, Corey? So there's a lot of jokes about Ziggy Palfy and, you know, it's been a while, but I looked up his numbers because I kind of forgot about his career. Not so much, but like, you know, he always put up consecutively, like good numbers after season, after season, after season, but he always got caught in the Albatross of the Islanders, you know, when Milbury is running the team. And uh, so I think like, had he been, you know, maybe a Stanley Cup winner, I'm not saying a Hall of Famer, but, you know, 
his numbers are very solid. Like I would say easily in terms of points per game. And I didn't do the calculations, but I'm assuming at least a top 10 points per game guy of the nineties. He was a, he was a point getter for sure. I mean, I, I, I used to love picking him up in hockey pools. That's why I just picked up one of his cards actually coming in from Com C and, uh, he was a guy that I, I remember. I remember Ziggy Palfi getting like four points a game on on a regular basis in the '90s. He was he was fast, good stick handler, but uh, yeah, I think it's just a big joke going on on uh, Carlos's channel mostly with the meat talking about Ziggy Palfi. He's he's definitely not a, a Hall of Famer or somebody who you're going to really invest in. He's more of a, a running joke than anything else right now among some of the the content creators. All right, cool. I'm just sorry. I've never seen this many people on the screen before, so I'm just looking around. So, Matt Burdick, where are you out of, and what uh, what do you collect? I'm from Medicine Hat, Alberta. I've been kind of got back into the game there last year, December, mainly into basketball. Good timing. Wow. Yeah. And I also <laughs> got, well, I got injured back in 2003 from work so i i bought some basketball lebron james rookie card just flukely got some of their his cards and dwayne wayne and chris bosh and kind of held on to that for years and did my first psa submittal this year and it came back a nine which i was pretty happy with how about you Corey? you're wondering about the islanders tell where are you out of and what do you collect so i'm from halifax nova scotia and really i just got back into the hobby this year, actually, it was from watching uh, the documentary Jack of All Trades about the junk wax era. It just looked so interesting. So I had to see it and talk it. You know, when I was, when the pandemic started, um, you know, I was at home and uh, one thing, you know, Google search led to another. And I wanted, you know, to get the Griffey card. So I did. And I just, I'm back into it now. So uh, I started just mostly buying baseball and hockey when I first got back into it and collected some cards that I might have unable to get as a as a kid uh, but now I'm more focused into basketball cards because uh, you know I feel like they're the best long-term play um, just because of how global the sport is and seems like you know everyone wants to be a basketball player or talk about basketball it's always even the leading story I'd say in in the urban centers of Canada uh, so th that's where I'm at these days. Yeah, I saw I, I saw a guy, someone posted on a thread in Instagram the other day about how he said, I'm in Canada and there's, you know, you can't find a, you can't find a fan for anything but hockey up here. And I kind of replied, I said, I don't know, there's lots of basketball fans, lots, lots of Blue Jays fans, lots of Raptors fans, tons of NFL fans. You can go out to a shopping center any day of the week and see as many NFL jerseys and caps as you do hockey, I find, at least here in Calgary. So lots of kind of kind of, I was kind of like hey don't I, I hate being I hate when Canada gets kind of pigeonholed as being 100% hockey you know there's we have fans up here they're fans of everything let's keep going around the board around the the horn here Billy Billy where are you Adam what do you collect buddy what do you do in the well, hobby well first of all uh trust me I hear from all you Canada people when Toronto won the championship you definitely have some basketball fans in Canada too because uh, there was some major smack talking being made but no, I, uh, as some of you guys know, I work for Upper Deck, but I, I'm a collector too. I, I collect, I'm born and raised in, uh, in Michigan. Um, I live in California now for obvious reasons, but, uh, I even have my wing, whoops, my wings, uh, 
sweatshirt on, but uh, I'd, I'd have my Tigers cap on, but they always get mad when I wear uh, other uh, sports uh, paraphernalia whenever I uh, am on anything. Um, but uh, no, I, I collect Detroit stuff. Um, I, I've stayed in the, I, I don't collect as much as uh, I used to buying boxes and boxes. I'm more of a PC guy now where I collect players and, uh, and Detroit, uh, Detroit basketball, football, baseball. I also like uh, UFC. I also like wrestling. I also like non-sports. Um, but uh, yeah, just a, li- a little bit of everything. I-, I wish I got into the investing part, using it as like an investment as much, but I just collect what I like. And Perfect. Uh, I'm eating my summer sausage uh, for celebrating New Year's Eve. Right on. Happy New Year's, man. Happy New Year's. So, and, and thanks for joining. I know you've, you've been a guest on the show a couple of times. We'll get you back on here in the new year. Paul, let's go to you. What, uh, tell us a bit about what, what you're doing in the hobby, where you're out of, and what you collect. Hey, guys. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm up in Grand Prairie, Alberta, Imperial Gardens territory uh, with my man Kenny there. Um, really, I, I collected as a kid in the junk wax era. My dad, he did a lot of, a lot of collecting and I stopped doing it until one day I told a friend of mine, I liked Ray Bork and he gave me this, uh, autograph card that had a piece of Jersey in it. It was a, a Dominion, uh, peerless patches and I traded him a case of beer for it. Yeah. And, uh, from there I spent a lot, a lot of money and I'm a hockey card collector. Uh, I'd say Ray Bork's my PC. Uh, lots of different Oilers stuff. And, you know, I've really evolved. When I very first started, He, uh, this friend that got me into it, he showed me the breaks. And the first break that I went in with him, he hit a uh, Crosby 0506 Ultimate, two Ultimate Autos out of the break. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. You can make so much money doing this. So I was a ripping list rip and list for the first year or so before I realized, you know, a guy's got to hold on to some of this stuff and, and take time to enjoy it. And so now, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy the hobby a lot more and, and take my time in it. Right on. So before we go to you, Joe, and then you, Bobby, just kind of going through for the first time, let's just have a few comments come on the screen here. We got, we bought two, uh, happy new year. May all your pack pulls be case hits. Thank you. And same to you. Anonymous Facebook users with the Happy New Year's. Thank you, guys. Islanders Five. That's probably uh, Richie Barone, the mayor of Canada. We got Comsty Barry in the house. Good evening and Happy New Year to you, Barry. The Native Card Guy hits us with a dollar thirty-nine super sticker. Thank you, Native Card Guy. Really appreciate that. Oh, here we go. A little, little some stats on Ziggy Palfi. He was a Hall of Fame caliber player if he played enough. Seven hundred thirteen points in six eighty-four games, and that's a lot of points, right? The guy was. I used to love picking him in hockey pools in the mid '90s. Dead puck era. Was that? That's good numbers for the dead puck era. Yeah, native card guy. I started just getting Rem Pitlick cards and my native players. Very nice. Hey man, go with what you like. Go with what means something to you all the time. Oscar, Dad, Happy New Year's. Not sure where to look. Yeah, it's hard to know who's talking. It's not like in uh, Zoom where you kind of light up a frame around you. So you just got to look for whoever's mouth is moving, whoever's lips are moving. I guess that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Corey Carr, welcome. Anyone have a good option for submitting PSA in Canada? I believe there's something called Platinum Promotions that does it uh, out of uh, out of the East. Platinum Promotions, look them up online. I know they're working on, I think they're working on some sort of new deal right now with uh, PSA. Lee Haskins, happy New Year's to you. Welcome to the show. Atta boy, celebrate with the wife. I did too. We just had some Chinese food and that was about it. <laughs> wow. <Chinese. laughs> yeah. 
Billy makes the sets. Billy is one of the guys that makes the sets at Upper Deck for sure, for sure. Vintage scotch and vintage cards. That sounds good. That sounds good. Austin Olson. Actually, it's a fair price since he was more of a promotional thing. Not sure what you guys are talking about, but that's okay. That's okay. Happy New Year's to you, Charles. Welcome to the show. Jay Pringle. What's going on, buddy? Happy New Year to you. Just finished work and ready to relax with sports cars live in Jordan. That's his wife, Jordan. Right on. Slobs Baseball. Good evening. Welcome to the show. Absolute. Hey, buddy. How are you, Mike? Good evening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. PSA at 50 bucks per card. Way too much now. Ah, it depends what your card's worth, I suppose, though, too, right? NCG. All right, guys. So, Joe, we, we're going around the horn. We're introducing what do you collect, kind of where you're out of. Tell us a bit about uh, where you're out of and what you collect, buddy. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, happy uh, New Year, especially to you East Coasters, if you uh, already experienced it. Um, yeah, I'm in Santa Cruz, uh, California, and obviously we've, we've done a few shows together, Jeremy, so I uh, appreciate um, you having us on. Um, Collecting-wise, I'm probably, you know, vintage baseball is was my thing for many years. And then uh, gradually coming back into the hobby, I got more into basketball. And then more recently, even more into basketball. So uh, team-wise, I'm, I'm Warriors and A's, Oakland A's. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been a little bit of a rough go for the Warriors uh, in the last year and a half. Uh, we do have a good rookie, so I'm excited about James Wiseman and, uh, you know, lamenting Clay and, uh, you know, the diffusion of KD and the, you know, always changing landscape of the NBA. So love talking about contemporary basketball um, and appreciate, you know, wonderful content creators like Jeremy. So. Oh, well, oh, thanks, man. That's so nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I got to say, I watched Wiseman play, and I think it was the first game of the season. He looked he looked really good. Like, I thought, wow, this guy's the real deal for sure. So hopefully that gets you. And you, but you collect, you cards-wise, you collect, like, kind of, I don't want to say you're, you're, tell us a bit about what you collect. Because, I mean, we've, we've had some conversations, like, what's on your hit list? What do you, uh, what do you, and if you're not, if you're not um, kind of talking, can you uh, mute yourselves, guys, please? Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Jared. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll look at a lot of things, and uh, I think right now I we're all focused on what's going on. I mean, I don't want to say we're all focused on that, but I mean, I think it's very compelling to be able to watch sports and collect at the same time, right? And we all had that experience back in whatever it was, April or May. I don't even know when when sports were shut down and we all we had was our imaginations and a documentary, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm happy to be able to sort of pay attention to box scores. I know hockey's starting up soon, so I can only imagine if, if I was a hockey collector, I'd be like foaming at the mouth right now. Um, but yeah, I, I like the connection between real life and collecting. And I'm also hugely nostalgic and hugely a vintage guy. And I'll always be looking at, you know, T206s and American Carmels and Gaudis just, just to see what's going on. And there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of great stuff out there. Bobby, you've been on the show a couple of times already. You're, you're, you've been on Carlos's show. So let's uh, let's hear, tell us a little bit about where, where you're out of and uh, what you're doing here in the hobby. Well, Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, I'm from Toronto, Canada. Um, I'm a hobby historian, so not so much of a card collector, but I'll tell you everything about the cards. So 
uh, mostly hockey, uh, non-sports, a little bit of baseball, um, not much in basketball or the other sports for, for the most part. Um, you know, I enjoy collecting uh, more of the, um, I guess, uh, merchandise uh, type of items um, and documenting them. So, you know, my collection is my inventory. My inventory is my collection. But I do have a base collection of Toronto Maple Leaf stuff, which is, I have a leaf room. This is just the office. So I have lots of stuff sitting around. So, uh, yeah, I wonder what uh, what the New Year is going to bring. Um, you know, I couldn't predict uh, what was going to happen in, in 2020. But what's going to happen in 2021? I just, uh, that's a mystery. We got a lot of diversity here. So I'd like to hear some opinions, what uh, they might think is going to happen. I'd yeah. Forward to that. yeah, I, I want I want to do that. There's a couple things I want I want to kind of do tonight. Um, you know, I think it's interesting to you know, there's been so much content on, on sports cards live on other shows about 2020 and what happened and all the big events and and all that. And I think we we've kind of talked that I don't want to say to death because it is certainly interesting and very important. But I don't necessarily want to focus on you know the PSA privatization, the last dance, uh, COVID, all this stuff again. Let's let's talk. Let's look forward to 2021. Like you're saying, Bobby, kind of like, you know, maybe what do you from a personal perspective? What are you guys like looking to to change about the way you approach the hobby, about the way you collect? Have your did you learn anything in 2020 that you're going to apply in 2021? Um, any predictions for what's going to happen in 2021 within the hobby? Um, anything at all? Uh, and if anybody and I also want to let you guys know, like you don't no one has to stay here the whole time. If you ever want to bust out and leave you can you know we do have a there is a uh, a private chat available just to the people on the screen so you can feel free to you know let me if you got to let me know something just put it in there so so i have an i you know i know that you're gonna leave in 10 minutes or that kind of thing please do that but um otherwise uh yeah like i'd like to definitely hear about what what, what you guys are going to change about your approach and your your place in the hobby going forward into 2021 another thing i want to do is i did i mentioned i do have a box of upper deck series one from this year that i received as a secret santa gift so i want to open this up uh, at some point i'm going to wait a little bit before i do that but i'll open this up as we're kind of going through some conversation and um we're going to bring dave kaplan on the screen right now and add dave dave welcome happy new year to hey, you happy new year we just finished kind of going around introducing everybody, kind of where you're from and uh, what you do in the hobby. And I'll just mention when you're not speaking, please mute yourself because we don't want any echo or any uh, extra sounds. There's just so many of us. But uh, yeah, just, hey, introduce yourself quick. Where, where are you out of and uh, a little bit about what you're doing in the hobby? And then we're going to get into 2021 and what we're looking forward yeah. to. Guys. Hey, I'm Dave Kaplan. I live in Vancouver. I grew up in Winnipeg uh, with Jeremy and uh I was a longtime collector and then I got out of it for a while and now I'm back in the hobby buying and selling stuff. Right on. All right. All right. Mm. So um, I'm going to just a couple of comments here. We have Seb Menard in the house. Happy New Year to you, Seb. I wish you never ending high price bubble and PSA 9 Lemieux for everyone. That's really nice of you. Very nice of you. Austin says, anyone else think the Lafreniere Young Guns are way overpriced? He was selling for double what McDavid's were when his card first came out. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. But hey, if he delivers, then uh, then well, you know, doesn't matter anymore. But it's just the it's just where the hobby's at right now. I believe. Happy New Year to you, Brian. Happy New Year, sir. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna be able to keep going with all the comments, guys. I some I, I sort of apologize, but um, and yeah, Joe, it is a hobby box. This is a I believe this is a hobby box. Billy, is that a hobby box? 
it's a hobby box. Definitely a hobby box. You can just give me a thumbs up too, Billy. You made you made me mute myself. So uh yeah, it's a hobby box. I know, I know. I'm just bugging. It says hobby. I think it says hobby on yeah, it does. It says hobby right there, right above my finger. Anyway, so okay, well let's let's look into let's look forward, guys, into into 2021. Who who wants to go first? Who wants to tell me what they're gonna do differently? Uh tell us, sorry, what they're gonna do differently, what they learned. Oh, sorry, one of the other things I want to do tonight is there were a few posts in the YouTube group, or sorry, in the Facebook group about some things people wanted to talk about. So I forget who mentioned them, but I know Corey, you had said a few things. Paul, you might have said something too. Matt, you may have. If there's any topic you guys want to talk about, feel free just to, uh, you know, kind of put up your hand if you want to talk too, so we can just I can just kind of go to you and we're not all talking over each other. But does anybody want to want to lead off with what they think uh, 2021 is going to look like? All right, I saw Paul hands for, Paul's hand first, so we'll go with you, Paul. I guess I, w I can, I'll go first because I want to start, I guess, with uh, the Tiger Woods documentary coming out. Um, I started looking for his rookie cards only a couple of weeks ago, and it's it's impossible to find, you know, there's no deals anymore. And, you know, just talking to a few people, uh, does anyone else, like the way, the way I feel is right now it's the hobby people driving the price up on those Tiger rookies just with the expectation of, you know, once the documentary comes out, there's going to be a whole new market coming in uh, looking for those kind of the, the same with the Jordan documentary. What happened there? Does, does that make sense to people? Because because I, I finally got a hold of a couple of PSA nines tonight. And uh, so hopefully that's what happens. Yeah. Who wants who's got a response to that? I mean, um, I, I think so, man. I think these documentaries are very helpful. Billy, what do you got to say? I just hope they keep making documentaries of all of our spokesmen. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> there's the, there's the Tiger Bobby showing us a Tiger Woods rookie card. Right now. I remember that card was. I mean, that was a dime. That card's it is a dime a dozen. That is not a hard card to find. It, it never has been. You could have picked that up for ten, fifteen bucks at any card show over the past ten years. And I thought it. I thought a PSA ten graded copy was worth like six, you know, fifty, sixty bucks. And now I. I hear. I haven't even looked, but they're they're well past a thousand dollars right now. It it boggles the it boggles the mind. It's nice to see, but it boggles the mind, right? So I, I thought I would have that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Paul, I mean, I think yeah, I think these these documentaries are the, you know, especially the 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 ones of the real like he had Michael Jordan, and now and then there were there was another one after I forget who it was, but it seems like you didn't hear much about it. There, there was the Sosa McGuire documentary on the on the season of the home run season. Yeah, didn't even hear about it except for a little bit in you know on Instagram sort of thing. It was it was in the ESPN. It was a thirty for thirty, so it was pretty big. But I mean, I think it drove McGuire a, a little bit. Didn't do that much for Sosa. And there was a Griffey Jr. documentary, which was only on like the MLB channel. It was pretty hard to hard to find. But that card obviously went up even, I think, without the documentary. Yeah, well, before that even. Went, yeah. So, I, But to Paul's point, I think that's probably what's driving it right now. And I think people are just looking for goats. They're, they're, people are goat hunting all over the place. So is that good for you? Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Well, in response to Paul's uh, question, I mean, where I find myself with Tiger, because of what Jeremy said earlier about, you know, that was a $15 card. It's hard for me to drop 
three figures, much less four on something that, you know, 30 years ago was practically in like, you know, the $10 box, but autographs. I, I believe in goats and autographs. And if you can get a Tiger Auto, I think you'll be doing real well. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. All right. Who else has something about uh, 2021 that they're kind of, or, or whatever, any, anything really, but uh, you got something you want to talk about? Let, let's hear it. Otherwise, I can start opening packs of Upper Deck Series 1. All right. Yeah. Corey, jump in, please. So when I first came back into the hobby, um, I got caught up in a lot of hype videos, uh, top five, you know, going up, those type of videos. And I found that that made me lose money uh, at the start. I mean, I've all, I've recouped those costs. I've gone up over time and at the time. So that changed my mentality where I don't, I fade top five, essentially, meaning I don't buy those. And I look at it more long-term instead of short-term. So it, it really uh, put me in a mindset that probably wasn't healthy or realistic considering, you know, how long it takes for eBay, you know, deliveries to work out um, and that sort of thing. So now I treat it like the stock market. So if something's going up, well, I'm not buying it and I wait for the off season for it to go down and buy it. So I ride the wave sort of in reverse. Sure. And that's how I'm going to continue to treat it. Uh, and if I do look to sell, um, it'll be more at the peak uh, when people are, are climbing on. So always the reverse. Uh, same way uh, with, with stocks. So it, it's a good life skill, really, uh, that I learned from cards. Yeah, it's like a contrarian approach, which will probably probably is, is working for you. You know, you mentioned you were getting hung up on these kind of top five videos and that kind of thing. And there, there's a whole there's a whole area of i'd say youtube of all the of uh, you know content creators hyping up certain cards for you know with either ill intent or good intent whatever it is and um it's uh i've always said to when i've gotten into conversations about it, i've always kind of said to people i've been talking to I said listen a lot of new collectors are coming in and they're stumbling across some of the bigger youtube channels that are that are hyping a lot of cards which is it, it is what it is it's just the way they're get it's the way they're it's what they're seeing when they first come into the hobby and What's going to happen is they're going to they're going to be misled. They're going to lose some money, and they're either going to look for better content or better advice, or they're going to leave altogether with a bad taste in their mouth, which I hope doesn't happen. So, how, what kept? I guess my my question for you, Corey, is like, what? Why did you stick around if you found you were getting sort of bad advice right at the beginning? What made you stick around? Because that's something I think we need to tap into for other people out there who may be getting a bad taste in their mouth and want to leave. Well, that's a good question. Um... I was questioning it. Like, what am I doing here? This is insane. Uh, but it all comes down to my, my enjoyment of sports and, you know, re-tapping into a childhood hobby is a very powerful thing, maybe even a drug. <laughs> so, but uh, I just, I slowed down. I just slowed down for a bit and, you know, I made my purchases more strategic and uh, it seemed like, you know, I didn't see my, you know, cards drop down in value that much. And I think that's what kept me going is just taking a, you know, a couple week break, slow down, recoup. And uh, yeah, long term strategy helped. And also, you know, still having like money left over was another one. I wasn't going into debt, for example, to buy these. So that was a big help. Uh, I suppose I'm lucky there. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anyone else here ever kind of get I, I mean, I, I know I know a bunch of you haven't, but Matt, Paul, guys, I know kind of a little bit less. Did you ever kind of get uh, 
you know, romanced by some of these videos that were really hyping up certain cards and players? Matt, you got something on that? Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, I was just, we got hyped, me and my wife got hyped into like buying tons of retail boxes at higher prices. And in, in value-wise, we just never got what we ever wanted. So I think our big thing this year was to just buy the cards we want and not keep buying all these hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of retail boxes on a chance of a guy that I don't really collect. So I've just decided to just buy the stuff I want and hope that goes well instead of wasting all this money on retail boxes than trying to sell all the cards out of the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Billy's cringing. Billy's cringing as you're talking about spending less money on on uh, an open product. I love a couple comments from the crowd here. I'm just going to say hello to a few uh, a few people we got here. 19th Vintage, Happy New Year to you and welcome. Uh, Eric Hammerhawks. Eric's with the, one of the co-hosts of the um, Center Ice Cardcast. Eric, Happy New Year to you. Slobs, I like this. Slobs says uh, the videos didn't romance me, the cards did, and that, that's what you want to hear, right? You want to hear it be about the cards for sure. So good on you, Slobs. I like that. You yeah, got sports as you need to do your own research on these players for sure, for sure you do. But I think if you're going to a sport you don't know as much about, you might rely on what who who you're following, and if you trust the person you're seeing, for better or for worse, you know you you might just go in that direction. So. But happy new year to you, Got Sports Cards. Scott, welcome to you and happy new year's. Austin Olson agrees with Matthew. And Big Daddy Cool, what player are you guys expecting to real really break out this year? And what cards do you recommend for that player? That, that's a that's a that's a big question. I mean, that's really what everybody wants to know. So let's uh hey, who yeah, Dave, ha hands up, guys, if you have anything to say so I know who to call on, please. Uh Dave, you're up. Um, yeah, well, I mean, if you've been looking at the World Juniors, I mean, uh, Dylan Cousins is looking really good, um, and uh, Perfetti's looking pretty good, uh, Winnipeg Jets draft prospect, and uh, Quinton Byfield had a big game the other day. I mean, the thing is, all these guys are, are I mean, the names are sort of known already. I mean, well, if you watch the draft. So it's kind of hard to find, like, a diamond in the rough, because when those cards come out, they're, they're going to be big dollar cards like right at the beginning i mean not as much as the lafreniere but you know they're not going to be cheap probably so i don't know yeah oh I, I like hearing a couple of the kind of young guys the 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 draft picks uh that upper deck will put into series two for sure yeah as, yeah. as long as they get to, they step on the ice here in january which i'm sure a lot of people <laughs> are and i hope I know Billy's celebrating that. As soon as I heard on the radio, this was a couple of Fridays ago, that the Canadian the Canadian provincial government sort of agreed to to let this thing go. I phoned him up. I go, dude, did you hear the news? Like, no. I said, looks like it's ha hockey's happening. So uh, I was pretty excited to to fill in Billy about that. Um, but uh, you know, uh, hockey. Chris makes a comment. He says uh, Nathan McKinnon by his rookie. So to Big Daddy Cool's original question, that was going to be my answer too. Nathan McKinnon. I mean, he's no secret. Nathan McKinnon. There's no secret about Nathan McKinnon right now, right? Everybody knows he's top three player in the league, if not one or two. To me, you know, it's McDavid and McKinnon up there for one and two. And but I think McKinnon. I just have a feeling McKinnon's going to have a big year in, on the ice. I'm. I don't. You know. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to hype up anything, but. I one of the lat one of the more more recent uh, SP Authentic Future Watch auto rookies that I added to my collection was him. I bought him in I think late summertime. Finally, after it tripled in price from when I started thinking about buying it, I finally bit the bullet. So, I love Nathan McKinnon this season. I think they're going to win. I think they're the cup the the cup favorite right now. And uh, 
right now before the season has even started. But I'm just really high on uh, on Nathan McKinnon for uh, for perf- performance wise, and I say performance wise to really bring it to really separate it from his card his card while I'll let you guys conclude what on ice means for cards. But I think he's gonna have a big season on the ice. Who else has uh, something to add, Bobby? Yeah, well, superstars don't come out every year. That's the problem. We're looking at, you know, uh, you look at Bobby Orr to Gretzky. That's like, you know, how many years in between? And then you had Lemieux. Then we got to the 90s. And now I know the turnaround's a little faster, but are we looking at superstars every three to five years? Like, I mean superstars, not just great players. Right. So I see everybody's trying to push the envelope of, oh, this guy's going to be big. And, you know, I know we're all trying to uh, to put our money down and see what we're going to come up with. But really, superstars only come around so often. So, uh, you know, just don't get misled by those uh, some of those videos that they have out there. I have listened to quite a few of them, and it's it's amazing. It's like they're telling you the stock market and they know everything. So anyways, that's all I had to say. Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, you had Gretzky, then you had Mario Lemieux. Then you really didn't have another like generational superstar until Sidney Crosby and Lemieux. I mean, they were 20 years apart coming into the NHL. I mean, you had Joe Thornton come in. You, I mean, you had great players. Don't get me wrong, but you didn't have anyone who follows that Gordie Howe, Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid. There's no one else after Connor McDavid. I mean, we we were very hopeful on Austin Matthews in 2016. I think Pedersen in Vancouver is going to be a great player long term, but is he generational? Probably not. But then I think you've got now now you've got uh, Alexi Lafreniere, who is kind of poised to be that next guy. Will he? We'll know in a couple of years, but we're not going to know by the end of January. We're not going to know by the end of this uh, by the end of the season here. We'll know it. It'll take a couple of seasons, I think, to really know for sure. Unless he comes out like Connor McDavid did in his first year before he got hurt, and uh, and does light it up. So, anyone uh, who had a hand up there? Some no, I don't. Uh, okay, Paul, what, what do you got, man? You know, one name that you guys never mentioned and maybe was part of all those hypes was Jack Hughes. Like he's definitely not. He's not an Al Yakupov, but. Uh, you know he's he's in New Jersey, so it's hard to can keep your uh, hobby value there, which is too bad. But you know it's you know he was one guy that was hyped up pretty pretty big. And but look at McKinnon, how long it took him to come out and come out of his shell. And I mean, coming from an Oilers fan, he was he should have won the Hart Trophy last year. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what what Jack Hughes can do this year. The thing, and the thing I think about when you say Jack Hughes is every year the first pick overall gets hyped up. Even Yakupov was hyped up that year. Taylor Hall, I remember the the is it Tyler or Taylor, right? The Taylor Hall, Tyler Sagan year was hyped up. John Tavares was super hyped up. Steven Stamko super hyped up. All these, you know, Jack. I someone in the in the chat mentioned Jack Eichel. Brian Brian Gray says he does. I do love me some uh, some Eichel. Yeah, for sure. And I think Eichel's another guy. That at native card guy says Jack Eichel. Someone else mentioned him earlier. And sorry, guys, I'm not keeping my eyes totally on the comments here. It's just it's, it's a little bit tough. Oh, David G says Eichel poised to make another leap. I I th- I agree. I think Eichel now is Taylor Hall playing with him in Buffalo. I think that uh, that Eichel is another guy. You know, I don't think he's going to make. I, I think I think I think McKinnon is going to go from like superstar to elite, 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 elite superstar. And I think Eichel's going to really become a superstar this year. Dave, you're 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 Jump! You're, 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 you you left out Timu, Jeremy. You left out Timu. 
Uh, Team is my all-time my favorite. That that number eight jersey. That's a Team Solani jersey. My all-time favorite player. You know, I think he's the best ever play. Uh, but uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna project that onto all of you, Corey. A lot of this is just the hype regarding these guys are mostly TSN or Sportsnet trying to create drama for whatever reason. Like I remember the Eichel and McDavid year for like half the year, they were trying to say, is it going to be Jack Eichel or Connor McDavid? It's like, come on. We all knew there was no way it wasn't Connor McDavid, but for whatever reason they had to hammer that. It's just same thing. Taylor, Tyler, uh, that's just, that's just what media does. You have to ignore that noise and, and really do your own research and understand who's going to be good. Nail Yakupov, they said, yeah, he's going to be first overall, but I don't think that even they hyped him that hard which is surprising given their track record of trying to drum up any type of competition for this number one overall. And at the end of the day, I mean, the only people that probably care, maybe the fans of those teams are, you know, the player himself. Uh, it, it, the whole thing is ridiculous, but generally, yeah, the first overall, yeah, of course you want to investigate if he's actually going to be good and maybe invest, but a lot of the, a lot of the hype is nonsense. And, you know, and you mentioned that you got to do your own research and kind of just ignore the hype, ignore the media hype. The problem I find with doing that research is that I'm not I'm not a hockey scout, per se. I can watch because, you know, you have to actually see these players play to do your own research. There's one thing there's one thing to be said for reading stats, lines and summaries. But if you see a player play and how they dance around everybody else on the ice, you know that they're going to be really good. Right. And so, you know the way I find the best way to do research is don't expect to hit a home run with a rookie in their rookie year, because Connor McDavid's as Bobby was saying, they don't come around every year. They just don't like, you know, no one else has done it since him become as good as him. So, and even before him, no one as good as him back to Sidney Crosby at this point. Right. And Ovechkin even. So where I like to do my research is in the first season the first and the second season, because, you know, as someone else said about McKinnon, McKinnon didn't really mature into the awesome player he is now for a few years. He was great right out of the gate. You know, first overall pick, hyped up and all that. He was great right out of the gate, but he wasn't elite, elite like he is now until a few years later. And so I think you got to kind of be, I've said it before, in hockey, it's not like basketball where a player can come out, come out of the draft and dominate dominate a game dominate their team or or the league even right out of high school or college in hockey you got to give players a couple of years so anyone who's invested in jack hughes uh i think it may pay off but you're not going to i don't think you're going to see huge returns this year we got think, to, yeah, yeah billy billy please yeah i i'm curious i'm curious on wh where the hype exactly is coming from because i know uh you know i i'm I could be a homer because you know they're they're both with us, but I think Lafreniere and Byfield are going to be are going to be great prospects this year. Um, but everyone seems to be thinking that Lafreniere is getting all this extra hype, and they're comparing his card to when uh, when McDavid's uh, young gun came out and everything like that. And is the hype the people talking about the players, or is the hype the market right now? I mean, uh, you're seeing every sport uh, these guys. I was looking for. Um, uh, the Tigers' number one pick. I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, and they can never pronounce it. But uh, you know, he was the number one. He was the number one pick of of, of the uh, of the um, Major League Baseball draft, and his his cards are already like shot up. The guy hasn't played a single game in uh, in baseball, and it's already ridiculous amounts of money. So um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the market. Um, and if you're talking about people that uh, 
you know, expecting big things. I, I said last year, and uh, some people laughed at me, but uh, the NBA draft last year, the guy that I really was interested interest, interested in was Ja. And you saw him come out of the gate flying. And uh, unfortunately, he got hurt. But I was really interested to see what his numbers were going to be compared to Williamson's numbers this year. Because uh, I think Ja's just in a, in a great situation where he's at. And, you know, you, you can't buy, you can probably buy his stuff cheaper than you would expect because everybody was buying Williamson stuff uh, to start with. So um, I'm kind of interested to see what his stuff does uh, now that he's, you know, in his second year. And then finally, uh, Joe, I love another California person here. Uh, you got my favorite player on your team, Day Day. He's, he's my boy. But no one's going to feel sorry for uh, the Warriors right now. You guys won a few chips. Uh, you know, maybe you could have shared some of the wealth there for a few years. We're not we're not feeling too bad for you right now. <laughs> you're on mute, Joe. Don't forget you're on mute, guys. Again, if you're not talking, try and be on mute and try to remember you're on mute. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just – I totally, Billy. You're absolutely right. It, I mean, nobody's going to feel sorry for the Warriors and everything that – happened and unfolded are you are you down south am i, am I understanding or where, where are you at in california I, i'm in oceanside i lived in i lived in uh i lived in northridge for about five years i got a job with uh upper deck and i live about nice. uh five miles north of uh of the office at uh at upper deck right now so in oceanside which is right next to carlsbad so and i heard i, was, I, I heard well, I saw, I'm sorry. I heard you about the Pistons, so I'm I'm sure you're down with the bad boys, right? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> right on. That was my that was my team in the '80s, the Bad Boys. Uh, I, growing up in Winnipeg, that was the only that was the TV that that I would get on my little <laughs> my little TV I had in my bedroom when I was a kid. Watch the Detroit News at night and watch the highlights from the Pistons. So big Isaiah Thomas fan back in those days. Uh, well, could I, could I ask Billy his perspective on the Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan thing? I mean, you mentioned sure. Jeremy, and I, I, that's been, I've never quite understood that. Do you have a perspective on that, Billy? I think, I think um, the, the Pistons did not treat Michael Jordan very well. They did not treat anybody well. But uh, the one person that took it the hardest was Michael Jordan. And uh, the one person that could do something about it was Michael Jordan. And he did, and uh, and then he became like you saw in the documentary. His power, um, you know, there's there's no reason Isaiah Thomas shouldn't have been on that uh, dream team. I mean, one of the, one of the best point guards of all time. There there are some other point guards that like in the that people rank ahead of him that say no. Magic Johnson says it all the time that Isaiah Thomas is one of the best point guards ever. But um, uh, no, he. he you have to live with the consequences of how you behave. And as you said, they were the bad boys. And you know what? Uh, if you piss off enough people, uh, stuff's going to happen. And I think that's kind of what happened with him. And it doesn't help that Isaiah, after the fact, not that Michael Jordan, uh, you know, he's he's still getting better at uh, at owning a team. But you know, it's not like Isaiah Thomas did himself any favors after basketball either. You know, he hasn't uh, he hasn't done too much. So he's an easy target. All right. One uh, sec, Joe. One uh, sec, Joe. Uh, I'll come back to you one sec, Joe. I just want to say, uh, well, let's just welcome Colin to the screen, everybody. Colin, welcome. We're And uh, quickly, Colin, just tell us where you are, if you don't mind. 
I'm in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Hamilton, Ontario, right on. Um, okay, I also want to remind everybody when you're not talking, please put yourself on mute. And then when you are going to talk, put yourself on mute. Uh, if you're, you know, calling, just if you have something to say, just put up your hand and I'll, I'll like call on you so we're not talking over each other. Um, okay, Joe and then Corey wanted to jump in several minutes ago. If you still do, Corey, and we'll come to Dave after that. And I just want to welcome uh, Darcy. Happy New Year to you, buddy, from Blind Bay, British Columbia. Uh, we've got also uh, Roy G says aloha, everybody. Good, happy New Year, and aloha to you too, sir. And okay, so let's go back to you, Joe. Aloha. Um, I was just going to underscore Billy's point and also just say, you know, I'm sure Jordan didn't like losing and, and we know that about Jordan. So, you know, the Pistons did what they did. So that's all. Uh, turn it over to Dave. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, no. very, nice, very nice handoff. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> no, just um, talking about basketball and like new product. Um, I mean, it just seems crazy to me some of the prices that we're seeing like looking at that most recent pwcc auction there was two luca of 99 cards rookie cards psa 10s that went for 68 and seventy thousand dollars, which just seems insane for a, a 99 card i mean sure it's rare and it's psa 10 but i mean come on that's that's a lot of cabbage for those cards. I mean, and there's a lot of Luca rookies out there. Granted, there's only 99 of that one, but I think, you know, in 2021, I think we have to see some softening of those prices, but just my opinion there. That's what we have to wonder. What's going to happen in 2021. That, that's where the, the, I was watching another uh, content creator today. He had a panel going. It was um, the, the comeback card investor. His name is Brad. I don't know if any of you are familiar with him. He had about four other guys on with him, guys that I've had on this show. And they just were discussing the, the hobby and stuff. And they did a bold, bold prediction sort of uh, go around the horn. And, um, and that's kind of what I thought, Hey, that's, that's a cool idea. Let's, let's, uh, let's borrow it from Brad and kind of go around the horn with sort of like bold predictions. What you think, what you guys think can come up in the hobby in 2021. Uh, does somebody want to, does somebody have something to say to that? Somebody want to kick that off? Bobby, let's do it. Yeah. I often wonder if, um, at what point level people are at at 60s, 8,000, what, uh, what Dave was saying, um, uh, the rookie card going for. Where is everybody in at that point? Uh, like an average hobby guy, is he in at 10K or 20, 50, 70, 80? That's a lot of money to put on somebody who's really never showed himself to any great degree. So that's my question. Yeah. It the mark, you know what? It's like you can't question the market anymore. The market is what it is for whatever reason. If, it, if it's the fractionals that are driving it, if it's the institutional money, the funds, if it's wealthy, wealthy collectors. I don't know. You know, I think it's a bit of all of those pieces. But yeah, if you're selling for, I mean, I think a lot of people are making money along the way uh, up to 60 grand. Like these cards trade hands regularly is my feel. And just from what, just from what I, I observe in the marketplace. So uh, but so based on that, Bobby, what do you think, what, where do you think that leaves us going into 2021 as, as the months start to go by, uh, are you, are you expecting the market to soften these prices to come down or maintain or increase? 
Yeah, well, I'm doing a price guide for vintage, so uh, I can't really uh, attest to too much. Um, but I would uh, go with Dave um, with what he said. You know, we expect some softening. There has to be at a certain point because I don't know. After 20 grand, I'm long out. I don't know where everybody else in this panel is, but who's going to really venture off? And we're talking, you know, that's a, it's a gamble trying to figure out who's going to be the next guy and what's the next price going to be. So we, we're tearing it up. It's going, you know, oh, 60, 70, 80,000, 90, 100,000. Like, man, that's a big, uh, I don't know how many people are in the hobby doing that. Or is are we at the investor level after 50K? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But I, you know, I th you think, like Dave said, you look at these 60, 70 grand for a card from two years ago. I'll come to you in a second, Colin. You look at that from a card from two years ago, three years ago, 70 grand. You can buy the best of all car. You can buy Babe Ruth's. You can buy Mickey Mantles. You can buy Wayne Gretzky's, Michael Jordan's, Walter Payton's, Bill Russell's, Will Chamberlain's. I mean, best, like high grade vintage rookies. Or you can buy a, or you can buy a three-year-old Panini Prism, whatever the parallel is called, and I'm not knocking the card, but is it really worth it, it, it? I was thinking Tesla. Or you can go that way too. But I mean, let's just, let, you can go that But that's a whole other discussion, Bobby. That's a whole other discussion. Uh, Colin, what you have something you want to jump in with? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I'd rather, I'd rather buy seven Wayne Gretzky PSA sevens than that's retired and he's got no chance of, you know, injury to hurt his the value of his card whereas all these basketball cards that are just insane prices and you know one you know like the guy that sprained his ankle uh, the other day like you know who knows he might not play again you know so is that so it, two questions colin first one is what do you think is going to happen in 2021 with these basketball prices and the second thing is is it the reason why you can buy one luca or seven psa seven gretzky's is it because the basketball market is like seven times the size of the hockey market like how big how much of a how important are the different sizes of the two markets and then what do you think is going to happen yeah like i like obviously i don't think you know like basketball is is a lot more popular than hockey you know like worldwide and, and i think that uh you know not not a lot of people are going to be out there buying uh, buying hockey cards, just like Tiger Woods. Like, you know, for people to to go out and buy his rookie card, if you know, if they're not interested in golf, right? Like, it's if somebody is going to buy a, a Tiger Woods, it's strictly for the uh, for the investment part of it. And so, you know, a lot of people they they you know they they buy or collect or invest in what they like, and not necessarily like I don't I'm not a big basketball guy but you know i've got a lot of basketball cards that i've picked up in collections that i really don't know what they are and you know but i'm not definitely not going out and buying a uh a seventy thousand dollar card even if i even if i had the money to do it i'd rather buy what i know instead of uh just buying on um, what other people are saying i should buy yeah yeah. Okay, Corey, one sec, but but take yourself off mute because I'm going to come right to you. I just want to put up a comment that just came in from Oscar Dad. He says, you could buy a handful of Michael Jordan Grail 90s inserts for a Luca out of 99. I know what I'm buying. And yeah, I'm right there with you. Oscar Dad, I'm buying the MJs too over the Luca. You know, it, it, and it's like Colin said, you know, he's not going to, you know, Jordan's not going to go break his ankle and get knocked out where Luca, hey, it can happen at any, any time for sure. Um, okay, Corey. I think there's a lot of uh, smart money in the hobby now compared to, say, a year ago when we had uh, crazy surges. 
there's so many good educational resources out there now that the message the messages is being hammered to uh, buy low, sell high. So I think there could be a bit of stabilization. But yes, uh, maybe like less than a handful of guys will see their value increase, but it won't be ridiculous across every single player like it was last year. It, it You could have had a sixth player on a team in the NBA, for example, and this card wouldn't went up. I don't think it'll be that crazy, but you still could see, you know, the Lucas, uh, you know, assuming he'll have a good season, still shoot up high, but uh, I, don't think I think people will be a little more careful. But you still could see, you know, the Lucas. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, thank you. but. <laughs> Sorry about that, Corey. I had to, I'm removing a meat because he's got we, we could hear the sound from his other screen there. So I'll let him take care of that and we'll bring him back. But Corey, I'm sorry if you could just sort of go back a few seconds and uh, rewind. So, uh, what I was saying is that I feel like people have become smarter. I mean, this is anecdotal, uh, I don't uh, do this for a living in terms of analyzing markets, but there's a lot of information out there to to sell high, buy low sort of thing. And I think a lot of people are probably going to take that to heart. So if they do, it's going to be more stable or people will know when to hold and not panic sell and that sort of thing. Aside, you know, outside of like Trey Young's or Luka Doncic, I think for the most part, uh, things will be, will go up in value if, if they're good, but it won't be uh, as crazy as before. Um, and you won't see uh, six players on a, you know, the sixth guy on an NBA team, for example, coming off the bench. These cards probably won't shoot up in value the way they would maybe last year, but there still will always be prospecting because you know what it's like penny stocks, nothing really to lose, a lot to gain. Yeah, fair comments, fair fair comments. I for sure, for sure. Let's welcome Amit now. He's uh, he fixed his issue. Amit, welcome to the screen. I wow, we've got ten guys on. I don't know if it seems like there's room for two more, but I don't know if there is or isn't. So we'll see if anyone else wants to join. But um, we got a full house here. This is pretty awesome. I hope everybody out there watching is uh, is enjoying this. It's uh, you know I'm trying to quarterback this discussion as best I can. So I thank everybody for muting themselves and unmuting themselves and all that. Who wants to go next with uh, 2021? Kind of what? Okay, Joe, jump in. Just a quick comment to Corey. I absolutely agree. I think that's the direction it's going to trend. I'm not sure how quickly it's going to trend that way, and that's all I'll say. Perfect. And Matt Burdick, you had something uh, to say in the chat. Why don't you come on and uh, just say it out loud, buddy? I was just thinking here that people just love to gamble. They do it in sports in Vegas all the time. This is gambling to them. I don't really see it slowing down. I'm enjoying watching it and I enjoy being in it right now. So, All right. Yeah, I agree. People love to gamble and the hobby is def. I mean, I think a lot of people came into the hobby from gambling uh, when sports were canceled. I think that we got a lot of people that way. I don't, I want, I just got a notification guys that someone else is trying to come in. We are maxed out. So if anybody who's on screen right now doesn't want, you know, if you're ready to go, feel free, uh, you know, I'll thank you and we, I can let someone else on, but um, at the same time, I'm not going to force anybody to leave. So you got here first, you got here first, but I'll just put it out there. If you're ready to go, um, feel free. Who, else, who wants to go next on the uh, 2021 discussion? Okay, I'm going to go then. If I don't see any hands, I'm going to go. So uh, actually, before I go, why don't we take a, a second? I have this box I mentioned. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up a, a pack or two of this right now as I talk about what, um, what I expect to see in 2021. And I haven't put a lot of thought into this, but... Um, uh, and. Barry, Comsey Barry throws up a comment. He says his biggest concern next year is product availability. So I think we're, yeah, like let's talk about next year, 2021. 
Amit, you just joined us late. Why don't you, uh, can you bring yourself off a of mute and just let us know where you are? And uh, we're kind of doing that whole where where I am, where I'm at sort of thing. And maybe let In us terms of where we are with the hobby versus where I want to go. Is that the no, direction? Where, where you live, where you're located. Oh, I'm in Toronto, Etobicoke. Um, I'm fairly close to the expos. For those of you that used to go to the in-person expo, I live about five minutes from that place. Um so it's like definitely been homegrown, Toronto-based, big Leaf fan. Uh, been a thorn in Jeremy's side uh, at many expos for a long time, and Billy as well. Uh, and some of you guys and Bobby I've met more recently. And I've known you before, but more recently, and then Colin as well. And the rest of you I've met over through the shows with Jeremy. But yeah, this is my, I'm home born and raised Torontonian. I think you're on mute, Jeremy. Thank you. I, I muted myself because I was unwrapping <laughs> the, the box here. <laughs> there I am telling people, uh, Matt. I just got your message. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna leave. Okay, man. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Good to meet you. Good to see you in person, and uh, happy New Year to you. All right, man. Take care. Okay. If anyone, if the other person wants to come on, wants to try back, I can I can let someone else back in here. Um, so, okay, Amit, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, yeah, there we go. Jeremy, you are muted. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Amit is cool as hell. There you go, Amit. <laughs> we got some love for Amit. Nice to see you, buddy, from Capital Baseball Cards. Um, okay. So, Amit, what do you think is going to happen in 2021? While you're talking, I'm going to mute myself. I'm going to open up a pack or two of this, and if I hit a hit, I'll show you guys on the screen. Go ahead, please, Amit. It's early in the indication of what's happened to her at the end of this year. I don't think we're slowing down for a while. Like we're seeing crazy spikes. I'm not talking about hockey's first. I'm more basketball. Like I'm seeing insane things. I think you guys have been talking about it already, but uh, I'll use comp season example. I've seen cards go from thirty dollars to like two weeks ago to one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars in 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 a short time frame. So um, it's absolutely insane. I'm actually noticing a lot of correlation between fantasy sports and. You know the hype machine, and that seems to blow up the the cards as well. I don't see it slowing down. I just don't. It's just, it's just too good right now. It might as well enjoy it. The, the crash will be later, but I don't want it to crash for a while. Let's just go, keep going. Is they can leave hockey alone a little while. I'd, I'd like to keep it where it is so I can buy stuff. But soon that that ship will sail too. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You pull the young gun in the first pack. It's the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Oli Uo Levy. Is the uh, the young gun in pack number one? Pack number one, but but even better in pack number one was um, where did I put it? This player right here, the future captain of the Calgary Flames, Matthew Kachuk. Everybody, everybody's favorite player, especially Oilers fans, love this guy. Love this guy. All right, we are going to bring Charles on with us now. We'll add Charles to the party. There he is, Charles. Welcome. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I just decided to join. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining, man. Thank you. Just let us know where you where you're where you're located, and then we'll uh, and then please please mute yourself again when you're not talking. Yep, for sure. I'm in Mississauga, Ontario. All right. So we have lots of guys, and you know, that's not too far from where Amit is nearby. All right. So uh, Amit, from what you were saying, yeah, man. I mean, it's like you know we talk about what happened in 2020, but it's just the market just keeps on getting bigger like the prices keep on getting higher and higher from from michael jordan rookies to 
Luca rookies to Wayne Gretzky rookies to Connor McDavid to Tiger Woods. Like it's just not stopping. And that feels very fragile to a lot of people, I think. And that's why a lot of people are calling for this correction next year. But as I've been thinking to myself and I've said it a few times, you know, I think we're in uncharted territories. I don't think, I don't think we can compare 2020 or where the hobby's at right now to any point of the past, any historical era of the hobby. And that's why I don't know that it's really possible to forecast or to predict accurately what's going to happen next year because is the hobby, does it have new legs under it that it never had before? Dave, Dave, I see you kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's just you scratching your head. But- no, I was just kind of scratching my head, but I mean, I don't know. Is it, is it 1991 or 1992? Because uh, wasn't it 1993 when everything went down the toilet? But um, uh, but even then, like even then, if you had like a Bure rookie or like a Timu rookie or something that was quote unquote good, hot at the time of Yager, like that wasn't a thousand dollar card. That was like a fifty dollar card, maybe a hundred dollar card for that Yager rookie. I don't know, but you know. So, I mean, I guess one of the other things that I was just thinking about is um, with PSA and how they're so backed up and people submitting all their base cards. Like, are we going to see? like in in 2021 like is that gonna stop happening a little bit because people just won't physically be able to do it are people going to move to csg if they have any capacity to take people's cards um because i think psa especially psa is driving a lot of these higher prices um so i don't know and i mean there's still obviously a lot of graded cards out there but in terms of people taking like right now rushing their gretzkys to get graded like when are those going to come back in like june or who knows when right yeah that's been something i've been wondering is the the backlog the backlog at psa and beckett once they finally churn through it are those pop reports going to go through the roof and what's going to happen to cards that people are buying based on pops the pops that they've been showing during 2020. So that's, that's, that's definitely something to, to think about. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a really, really interesting, interesting time. I'm just going to show, I just got an NHL worldwide Philip Grubauer. He will be your Stanley cup winning goaltender in the 2021 season. I was asking Billy this a couple days ago. I said, so there's no, it's not the 2021 season. It's the 21. It's the 2021 season coming up because there's no games in 2020 that are going to be part of the season. I said, so what are you guys going to do with the sets? Are you going to call them 2021 or just like I 20 21 or just two zero or just the 2021 season? And Billy, uh, I mean, that, when we talked about this a couple of days ago, you said, well, I'll probably just stick with the same. But have you have you thought any further about that at Upper Deck? No, as far everything we've built, we've I mean, we've already built it uh for this coming up year so it's gonna have the same the same numbers and everything the one thing that was interesting is there there's certain sets that we sometimes put in order of like division and stuff like that and we we actually had the question come up like what divisions do you want us to put on on these cards and who comes in it because all the divisions got switched around for this one year and uh so that talking about like questions that we haven't had to come up with uh that was that was an interesting one was talking about you know what divisions to put onto the cards because it it, you know you got your your canada division and your central and east and west basically 
Yeah. So you guys have to figure that out. Figure that out. I, so I pulled from the, this pack I just opened. Here's the very sullen and dejected uh, Connor McDavid base card, where it looks like he's coming off a big loss. I know it's tough to see with the small screens. Now we got ten guys on here, but pulled that, and then I got this Young Guns canvas Bowen Byron. Bowen Byron was in the pack as well. I think that's a decent, uh, decent player right there. So put that in the hits pile. All right, who wants to go next on 2021 predictions? Colin, what about you? I mean, you're, you've been in the hobby a long time. Uh, you know, you're you're kind of you kind of yeah. dabbling everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting into a little bit of everything now. You know, I'm worried. What I'm worried about is, like, say the next uh, expo, the next live live show that you can do. Like, you know, like last November. You know, like we'll use Lemieux as an example. PSA eight you know, back in November was probably 500 bucks. And a lot of people could afford that. And you usually would sell them. No problem at the show. But now that he's 2,500 bucks for a PSA eight, are you going to be able to sell those? You like, are, you know, I promise like you. It's yeah. Okay. You will I'll hold you to that. <laughs> yeah, you will. You'll sell them for sure. Because that's what I, I used to have that same concern at the expo when Gretzky rookie started going up. And I thought, who's going to come to my booth and drop, two grand, three grand on these cards that, you know, I'm into for 200, 500, whatever. I've had them for years, let's say. It doesn't matter. But, you know, a meet, a meet who sets up beside me, uh, it's like, I'm like, a meet. that show hasn't even started on the Friday and I've already hit my, my, week, my, week, my weekend target and the show hasn't even opened yet because people are looking to invest. And I don't, I don't mean invest with the, like the negative connotation invest. I mean, they're looking to, it, it, they're in, they're, invest electors or they're they're you know they're investing in these cards because they want them but they're also collecting them because they're a great hall of fame player so anyway i think yeah you'll sell every single maryland mu psa8 you have at the next expo i i firmly believe you will easily sell it anyone have anything to add or contradict or say to that before i go to a couple comments from the uh from the from the chat yeah please Corey. well why would you want to sell anyway hold on be patient unless you need that cash hang on to that as long as you can because yeah maybe it might see ways but generally it's going to go up uh so if i uh, i don't want to sound like i'm preachy here but if you don't need the money keep it and that's i think that's a really fair comment the one thing i'll say you know that people could say back is well you know some guys it's their business it's inventory they need to they need to burn and churn burn and churn to keep the the machine moving is one thing and then the other thing is that you kind of want to i see colin kind of nodding but you also want to kind of balance things out right like you almost want to take some profit if you will off the table put some cash back in your pocket just to protect yourself paul what do you uh what do you want to add Great. The great example was the Tiger Woods I bought today. Like I got the PSA nines and the, the guy he showed me, I think he had eight or nine of them. And I said, I feel like you're doing like I do with my stocks. You you can take some profit, maybe sell half of it and hang on to the rest for a while. And he's, he said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm jumping in hopefully, hopefully mid, mid upwards, upward slope, but we'll see. It's, I play the stocks and, I play the, I'm starting to learn to play the investing world of, of cards too. So, but yeah, it was hundred percent. He took, he was taking some profit from uh, probably $50 cards that he had. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think you see that in in all investment vehicles, right? People take a bit of profit off the table, leave a few, leave leave a bit of it uh, in play, and I think that makes sense. I'm going to just do a couple comments here. Uh, Native Card Guy says, "Happy New Year from Winnipeg." Well, Happy New Year back to you too, sir. I think you might. I don't know if you're having some bubblies over there. Uh, you might be. You just threw another uh, super chat at at us, so uh, thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. Hockey's coming back with some weird format. Yeah, new divisions for sure. Uh, Chris says PSA is going to open the faucet on that fire that is the market once they start making those turnaround times shorter. That that's going to be that's going to be really interesting and telling. I think very much so. Uh, I'm doing MNT because I want to support Canadian companies. So Native Card Guys, speaking of the uh, the Canadian the Canadian grading company MNT out of uh, somewhere in Ontario, I believe. That just hasn't really made a splash across the border and i think they've got a bit of the market up here in canada but uh certainly they're not at the there's no canadian company that comes close to competing with psa and and beckett in the in the hobby's mind at least native card guy says the cup is coming home to canada but never to toronto i'll dump everything and get out of the hobby if that happens you feel pretty strongly about that we've got lots of leaf fans in the room so no one take that personally hey legion welcome to the show says nice byron young gums young young guns canvas thank you very much chris says good uh, sorry decent box so far and native card guy gets real uh real crafty here again thank you billy and thank you Co-workers for all the good work, fire your packing company. <laughs> okay, thank you, Native Card Guy. PSA 9s were $1,400. Which card was uh, Lawrence talking about here, guys? That's our, that's five minutes ago. I'm not sure what uh, what card that was. Carlos, welcome to the show. Invest, you say? Yes, of course. Yeah, we're all in trouble. Carlos is here. Uh, and Native Card Guy says, I'm holding all four of my Crosby Young Gun PSA 10s for the kids in 20 years. That's not a bad thing. Nope, I don't drink. Well, okay, good for you, buddy. Good for you. I'm glad to hear. A couple quick cards from my box. Who want, who's who got something to say next? I need to know who to go to next. Amit does. Okay, first of all, I hit a, a Dazzler's Blue, Artemi Panarin, came out of the out of the, one of the packs. I've gone through one stack of packs so far. I also hit this, uh, just because we were talking about him, the Nathan McKinnon base card, just to see how, you know, this guy's he's just power on skates, that guy right there. And then this uh, predominance, Patrick Kane, one of the best American-born players of all time, and maybe next to Brett Hall, the best goal scorer out of the U.S. Okay, Amit, what do you got? What do you got, buddy? So there's a couple of comments uh, made regarding, you know, industry as a whole, where it may fail or whatnot. So I want to remind everyone one thing. In all of 2020, people were worried that the stock market was going to crash or was going to fail. It did not, right? So that's actually a pretty good indicator, I would say, of the strength in the economy. If you're looking at the way the stock market is performing versus the hobby market, you might find some correlation. I'm not a scientist. So I can't say it is or isn't. Um, the other thing is so the prices that people are paying for these cards, they are worth so much, it's almost impossible for them to, to fail at this point. They've invested so much that the cards have to stay where they are. Like these guys are investing millions of dollars be able to do whatever they can in their power to make sure these cards stay at the value that they're maintained. So it's almost like, uh, and it's true in big business, it's almost too big to fail, like the Shopify's, the Amazon's. The economy as a whole can't afford for these guys to tank, right? So you have to look at it. There's a bit of that in our hobby too. So if 2020, like everyone kept saying that the stock market was going to crash because of whatever Trump was doing or the American economy is doing, it didn't. It actually flew. 
Um, I'm heavily invested in the stock market for my RSPs. For those in the States, that's our 401k um, for retirement. And I had probably one of the best years because the blue chip market was insanely hot, right? So I'd like to see what the market stock market is doing in, in uh, 2021. And I have a fairly good indication if it's good and there's big dollars pushing this stuff, then this stuff is not going to fall. It's going to keep going. Yeah, man. I, what you said at the beginning there about the guys that are buying these big cards, the Lucas for 70 grand. Um, and before I just want to well say hello to Carvin Chung. What up? What up, buddy? Good to see you. Happy New Year. Uh, I think, you know, these fractional ownership companies, I don't know if everybody saw or not, but the, the PSA 10 tops Wayne Gretzky that sold by Heritage for 720000 was bought by Rally the fractional ownership company. So that card's about to get sliced down into a couple thousand pieces for us, for anyone to, to go buy in on. So, but I think you're right, Amit. I think that the fractional companies, I think what's going to happen, because these guys have to eventually dispose of these cards to provide a return to their investors. Their investors, I don't think are just going to want to trade shares on the exchange. They're going to want to sell the asset altogether and get their, their payout or their dividend, if you will. And, who are, who's going to buy the cards from the fractionals? Is it going to be billionaire collectors, you know, all five of them? Or is it going to be other fractional companies and they're just going to trade cards back and forth over the years? I don't know. Does anyone have any theory on how that's going to play out? Paul? I I actually just the other night started looking at fractionals and I, you know what, I, I understand how it works, but I don't, you know, looking in the background how exactly it's going to work, but I don't this card might never leave that company. It'll just, I'm going to sell my, my one share of this card for a thousand dollars. The next guy's going to, he'll buy it for a thousand. Two years later, he's going to sell it for 1500 and it's just going to keep going. That card might never leave that fractional ownership company. It'll just, it'll stay there and the, the shares will keep trading hands. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Dave, what do you think? Um, just, just a little bit of a counterpoint to Amit's point. I mean, uh, in terms of companies that trade on the stock market versus cards, I mean, you know, companies have, have earnings, they have, you know, they got profits. So, you know, that's supporting their stock price. I mean, and, and the market did dip in March of this year when the pandemic hit. Um, but it, it did then recover, but in terms of a guy like uh, a hot rookie, like, well, a hot card like a Luca card, like if he gets injured tomorrow, like I don't think there's any way that that card can maintain a $70,000 price point because his careers, let's say he has a career ending injury. Like even if there's a lot of money invested in the card, people are no longer going to want to buy it. So there will be no more demand for the card. Yeah, so the I don't price know. will fall. And I, mean, I don't mean to speak for a meat, but I think that career end, I think what, you know, obviously a career ending injury is going to kill the, the market on that player. Right, but right. Yeah, for sure. And that's where, what there's so much risk that that's just a risk thing too. There's so much of it. And these guys that are putting 70 grand into a guy who's got two years under his belt, they have a high risk tolerance, much higher than I do. I'm, I, I was, I was skeptical. Do I buy his, his prison base PSA 10, two years ago for 60 bucks or 40 bucks. I think I paid for it. Well, I'm glad I did. It's two grand again now, but, but even then, it's like you gotta rookie cards are, are rookie cards are just risky, inherently risky. Um, I think Joe had his hand up. Yeah, Joe. Uh, just 
what when Amit was talking, I I thought to myself about the new concept. Well, it's not a new concept, but um, people are talking about it now, and it's the concept of the hard asset, which is you know something you can get in your hand, and and it is concrete by nature, not you know a number on a you know a col- in a column or on a chart. And I think that's really compelling to people right now. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I, I just brought up uh, Native. I like this comment by Native Card Guy. He, you know, he loves the hobby so much. Homeless 18 months ago, living in a tent, addicted, but breaks got me clean. And now cards save my life. Like it, it's, it's, we're talking, we're talking real life here, fellas. I know we're, we're here. We are talking about $70,000 cards in the end of 2020 and going into 2021. But, you know, Joe and I were talking yesterday about like, you know, or even earlier today, sorry about like, what what are we going to talk about tonight? It's like, let's talk about some real life stuff too. And, you know, I want to continue that discussion, but like native card guy here is like saying cards saved my life. Like, it's funny because, you know, I got to say this quietly so no one can hear me outside, but like cards are my life, you know, (laughs) like, you know, there's my kids, of course, and there's, and there's my, my family and cards, like what, you know, and of course my career, but like, those are the three things in my life. And people always say to me, Hey, how's it going? You know, of course I haven't talked to many people in a very long time. So, Hey, what's going on? How's it going? It's like, well, you know, work's fine. Hob- hobby's going great. My, my kids are good. Like, you know, my kids are young enough. They don't really understand what's going on, that they're not out going to, going to interact with other kids in that. So anyway, I just wanted to jump in on that for a second. Um, Thank you for that comment, Native Card Guy. Who somebody was somebody jumping in there? I don't know if yeah, Bobby. Yeah, I often wonder from what Amit was saying. Um, you know, I do believe the it'll keep going up. I just wonder where the wash art point is. I know Corey was talking about. You know, he, he got in and you know he was up and down. And you know, there's a lot of people like Corey out there. And uh, but where's the washout point for a lot of the other people? I still think it's going to drive new people in. But you know, how many people can hope to have a, a Luca rookie in a nine? At what point? No, you know, the hopes are 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 shot. And that's where the hobby divides between investor and uh, collector, I think. And uh, that's the washout point. So it'll only go to this point, but all the rest will be, you know, the millionaires playing around, having fun. <clears throat> like they said, you know, the market can't fail. Well, 2008, you know what they did with the housing market. Well, it's, if you look at the card market, there's some similarities vaguely, but I'm just saying. That's yeah. all. No, fair. I want to throw up this comment from Off Card Dad. He says, I'm just worried the fractionals will buy up all these cards, unfortunately, at the detriment of the true collectors. And I saw that. I saw a very similar comment uh, earlier today somewhere. Um, Does anyone have a take on that? Like, Like, if the fractionals are buying up all these big cards, driving up the prices, is it to the detriment of the true collectors? Does anyone have a, a take on that? Okay, Corey, please. Um, maybe it's true, but I just don't care. Um, because <laughs> I was a collector as a kid, but now I'm a collector slash investor. And if I can't get access to it, uh, I'll just move on to something else. Uh, so uh, while cards is a lot of fun, uh, it's not the end of the world, but I suppose I can see how a true collector feels upset. But if you're a true collector, you're not going to have, I don't know, you won't have money to throw out all this stuff anyway, unless uh, you know, you're a billionaire. So I don't know what the worry is. I think you'll always be able to collect the what you want within reason. Uh, just I, hear what 
I hear what you're saying. And I've said that something very similar before is that, you know, there's always other cards to collect. There is something at every price point. If you can't afford a Luca Prism PSA 10 for $2,000 or PSA 9 for whatever that is, you can maybe afford his his hoops card and maybe you're just not going to have it graded. Maybe just buy a raw copy. You still own a, a rookie card of that player and you're still invested in him to some extent. So, yeah, yeah. I, I like how you let off though. I don't care. But that what I like about that is not the flippantness of it, but just the, the real, the reality. You're just being a realist really and just kind of getting in the lane that is that is opened up to you. So I, I, I think that there's something really good to be said there. Good comment. Anybody else have anything to add? Colin, please. Yeah, I've, um, yeah I've, 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 I think the, the, the way it's going now, though, like are we not going to lose uh, the younger collector that's trying to get into the, uh, into the hobby because they either can't get the product or they can't afford the product? Like, you know, a lot of the older collectors that are, you know, that are starting to sell their collections, you know, that they don't, they don't go to the shows anymore and buy old vintage cards. And so all these young collectors that, that can't afford the cards anymore because they're just too expensive. And, you know, that's, that's how you, that's how the hobby disappears. You know, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a golf course. that doesn't have junior members. As soon as all the members start dying off, if you don't have junior members, the club won't be able to sustain itself. And it's the same, the same thing is going to happen here. Like you look at the expo, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, the people that go there are maybe looking for the autographs. Like they bring all the, all the athletes in for signing autographs at the next show. Who cares about the autographs now? Now, now they want it, the cards, you know? So the, the shows the future of the show could also be, uh, could be also on the line, you know? I just, so, I just I just think that it I just think that it's the the it's it just can't keep going up you know like the the prices of everything because okay, so, sooner or later nobody will be able to afford it. Charles, so, yeah, we we have Charles in the room to to have a younger collector and but before Charles, get ready to to jump in and kind of explain your take on things. But before and Dave, I'm going to get to you in a second too. But for, I just want to I want to just make a comment. We we've always talked about kids in the hobby. And to me, we have to adjust what we define as a kid. I honestly, for the future of the hobby, I don't really care about kids that are between them. Take this for what I'm just, I, I care about kids. I don't care about having kids in the hobby that are between the age of like six and 12. I, we don't need those kids in the hobby yet. We Even six and 15, I don't really, don't really care. It's nice we have Charles who's 14 years old. That's, that's an exception, it's wonderful. But I care more about the people that are from like 15, 16 years old up to 25, because that's where they can actually, there's so many kids in the hobby between 16 and 25 right now. They're all over the place, like online, and they're going to come to the card shows and they're going to be looking for the cards too. I am more, that's, that's where I think we as a hobby need to focus on is kind of, um, taking care of those people, like welcoming them into the hobby, that age group, not being so worried about kids six to 15, 15 to 25. That's the future of the hobby because kids that age, somehow, some way, there's a lot of them with a lot of money and they're, they're trading up and they're being very resourceful and they're being very entrepreneurial and trading and trading and trading up. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. So I don't know. It, it's a weird kind of talking about kids in the hobby. It's a weird sort of topic. It, it, it's, 
it's something that I don't know is really going to be a problem moving forward. I think there's so many young people in the hobby right now. That's what I'm seeing. Um, so, Charles, can you uh, give us the perspective? You're 14 years old. You're a bit of a unique case because you don't collect Luca. You collect hockey cards from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, But talk to us a little bit about being a younger guy in the hobby. So I think that uh, you're right when you say that we need to be welcoming kids more uh, into the hobby, especially at shows, you know, like if you see a kid walking around, you know, and you have like, you know, like a free pack of cards, whatever, you know, just toss it at him because that'll do a lot for a kid that I really want him to stay. And um, yeah, always like always look at traders, you know, just like stuff like that. But more importantly about the prices, I think to really, um, you know, like help kids get in the hobby you have a section full of like you, you know you know like your big money cards you know like cards that you know like you want to sell and you know like either make money or you just want to get out, out of your collection and then another section it's you know like not necessarily low run cards but you know like less expensive cards just for the kids to look around at just for them to shop around with and i think that as they get older you know as they as they, as they start to have more income then they're going to be able eventually to get those higher end cards and that's how the hobby is going to go full circle good yeah i i hear you i want to bring up uh, dave i think you're next but before i get you a uh, native card guy brings up a, a really you know he, here's a comment that makes me go back on what i just said like i'm i'm gonna pull almost a complete 180 here guys he says as a native kid 10 to 15 years old i target them because those kids that are so vulnerable to the gangs and drugs drinking this is why I have made it my mission to get the kids a hobby. So, I mean, right there, when I say I don't care, you know, I, I'm going to do a complete 180 and say, yeah, but it's a different purpose. The purpose isn't to sustain the future of the hobby. The purpose is to help kids who are vulnerable, I think, you know, and then there was a comment that Barry made says Upper Deck is great at getting product in the hands of kids with Tim Horton's National Hockey Card Day and having lower price point products. And that's going to be, you know, critical for a guy like Native Card Guy and the and the, um, the the people that he's really trying to protect from from gang kind of gang stuff, and we're talking real life here, which I'm glad we're doing. So, good comments, guys. Um, and uh, and yeah, I you know, I never thought of it about I never thought about getting kids involved to get them away from trouble. So I'm gonna add that to my little uh, to my my method of thinking. So I thank you for opening my mind to that, um, Dave Kaplan. You uh, you want to jump in? Yeah, no, just, uh, I guess, getting back to the whole fractional thing that started this all off. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'm not too concerned about that because, you know, these guys are buying cards like a, whatever, 52 Tops Mantle or 53 Tops Mantle that, you know, are, are out of reach of the average collector anyway. Um, so to me, that's not such a huge concern. I mean, there's always going to be cards that people can buy and, if you're an investor, uh, or I mean, if you just want to make money in the hobby, like you can make money in a down market and an up market. It just means, you know, you'll be buying and selling at a higher price point or a lower price point. And I mean, there's, you know, to me, the concern is with the high prices of some of the premium products like the Panini Prism. And I mean, like it's, it's a couple grand for a box of that stuff um, versus, I mean, you can still get a box of upper deck hockey for, I mean, they were what about 150 when they came out. And I mean, those young guns cards are always, well, not always, but you know, 
as the past has shown us, the Young Guns rookie uh, is is a card that people are always going to want, and that that's going to you know have a good return if the player is exceptional. Um, so you know, I think there's always going to be a way for people to stay in the hobby and to make money in the hobby if they want to. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm not too concerned about the the fractional investors. I think I think you're right. Yeah, I'll come to you one sec, Billy. I think you're right, Dave. That you know they are buying up the biggest cards in the hobby, and I think that's the reason why it's important for everything else is because the trickle down effect is going to help prop everything out. It's going to bring everything else up, and that's important to some collectors that have who have big big valuable collections. Let's say that that that's nice nice to know that the that the the fractionals will kind of insulate you a little bit from too much of a down downward uh, spiral or, or you know a downward effect. So. Um, okay. Uh, sorry. Who had their hand up? I forget. But Billy. Oh, I think Billy's go ahead, Billy. Oh, um, I just, I just wanted to add to the kid thing and, uh, you know, hockey has been fortunate enough, uh, that, you know, our box prices are still somewhat affordable. Um, I, I build sets like the cup and I, I build UD one and UD two, but I'll tell you one of the most important sets that I build in my opinion also uh, that it gets dogged every year, but I, I find it a challenge to build every year is MVP hockey. Um, it's one of the most affordable uh, hockey products. It's a great product for, for starters. Yeah. The, the, the big whales and everything are going to look at it and just, and kind of say, why would I buy this? And, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of, uh, you know, you won't see it on breakers or anything like that, but uh, it's a great product that when mom goes into the shop, and is looking for something to buy for their kid and they see a box of MVP for, uh, you know, us, maybe 40, $50, Canada, $60 or something, you know, it, it's, it's a great starting point for, uh, for those kids. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned when I was on here, like I, the, the first year I really started buying was 87. Uh, don't let, don't let the, uh, the brown in my hair fool you. There, there's some gray in the beard. I, I've been collecting uh, for a while also, and uh, you know those those packs. I would I would rake leaves and shovel driveways, and then run to the run to the uh, the gas station or the Seven Eleven and go buy uh, two or three packs of that stuff just because you know I could afford it for for raking a yard. But uh, MVP is just one of those products that doesn't get a lot of love from from the big time, uh, you know, investors, but it's a great product for, uh, for starters, you know, you're going to get all your superstars. We try to throw in shiny inserts. I try to throw in some stuff and there is some, you know, chase factor to it. You know, a kid could pull a card, you know, worth, you know, uh, 50 to a hundred dollars, depending on the rarity, you know, the Lafayette, uh, or the number one draft pick card is in there. So, you know, you have an opportunity for some big hits, but, you know, you talk about kids. We we do our best to uh, to still like we have our little starter booklets too, um, and it's it's like a couple packs of uh, UD one, and it comes with a little binder so they can learn how to collect. And we we take pride in that for sure. Well, I'll just say I I think MVP is one of those products where it's definitely it's one of the products where I recommend that for people who can't afford you know, the cup and SPA and ice and all the the more expensive stuff. It, it is a product for kids, let's say, but there are some really cool. I just bought it. I've picked up a couple cards on Com C this week from MVP because you do those 
those crazy parallels out of three, the ones out of nine, the ones out of 20, uh, the, the Stanley Cup edition, I think they're called. I picked, and I picked up, I just picked up a, a Nathan McKinnon, number 29 of 100, his jersey number, just because it was jersey number and I thought it was cool. So there's a lot of cool cards in MVP. And I like that what you guys at Upper Deck are doing is that you're not just making it like a total. Uh, you know, low end product. You are adding some chase element to it, and the cards are nice. I mean, I, I look; they catch my eye on Com C every day when I'm scrolling through. So, um, yeah, I, I think good job on that, Charles. Please, I don't forget you're on mute. Yeah. So, just adding on to the whole MVP discussion, um, I think that retail hockey is one of the best things, like in the hobby, just because I have friends who don't collect hockey cards. But, you know, like, you know, like before COVID, you know, like I'll be over at their house and they've just have been full of cards. And I'm like, well, I know that you did that. And you're like, yeah, you know, like I opened some packs. So it's just like retail, you walk into Walmart, super easy to buy, you know, makes it really simple. And I think that it's just really good for the hobby and especially for, for the kids. And National Card Day, too. That's really good. Going to your LCS and getting a free pack. That's a, that's a really good feeling. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Charles. And uh, yeah, I agree. Those are good. Good. Uh, programs as well so carvin makes a comment he says i have concerns with fractionals uh jordan hagedorn happy new year to you uh hockey guy says uh mvp is pretty good with the parallel set out of three yeah those are amazing like those out of threes are awesome and i think they're i think they're dark horses as well uh carvin's going to join us on screen so uh we're going to bring him on as soon as he's Oh, he disappeared, but he'll be back, I think. Carvin, come on back. He says they overvalue cards, but those cards will run out and they will start investing to other products that will affect the masses. That's interesting. When he says he has and he has issues or concerns with fractionals, his concern is that they're going to run out of the million-dollar cards and they're going to have to start buying other cards and maybe they'll put these baskets together and you know put a basket of 50 PSA 7 Wayne Gretzky's into an offering sort of thing. And well, hey, if you've got five PSA 7 Wayne Gretzky's, that's not the worst news out there, but it's a short-sighted and somewhat of a selfish uh, position to take, I would say. Uh, native Card Guy says, what I would like to do is have a company like Upper Deck to get at some of us native YouTubers to help us get to as many kids as we can. But my viewers have done a lot for me and my others, as I know. And I mean, we do know that Upper Deck is working with uh, Name Cardinal, who also goes by Indigenous Rookie Cards on um on Instagram, a native card guy, I'll direct your attention to name and what he's doing. And I upper deck is working on a program with name, uh, with in terms of indigenous players. So you're, I think you're going to be really pleased with that. And you can go back and check out the episode where we talked about it. Wow. And Chris Carlin from upper deck came on to actually announce this initiative. I forget the episode number. If anyone out there can find it for me and let him know, I'd greatly appreciate it. It's the one with, um, I think name and myself are on, on the front of it and maybe Chris Carlin too. Carvin goes on to say, for example, what if they start buying all the wax, which is happening with investors? Yeah. Carvin, are you trying to get in here just without video? Is that what's going on? That might be what's going on. I'm going to bring you on Carvin and maybe just want to speak. So I'm going to uh, give the mic to Carvin for a second, everybody. Oh, here he is. He's now got video as well. Carvin, give me one second for a sec, if you don't mind. Um, and then we'll bring you on. So before Carvin comes on, because he's going to have something to say, I'm just going to show a few hits from the box because Dave wanted me to open up some more packs, but I have been putting the hits aside. I'm, I only have this many packs left, guys. I've been opening them here. So I I hit it. So I like these debut dates, uh, Billy, I'll mention to you. I like a card that gives you some specific information, and these cards tell you when the player made their debut. It's, a, it's an insert set, but not a tough one. 
but it just tells you that this guy, Mario Ferraro, made his debut October 2nd, 2019, Sharks versus Golden Knights. Like, that's cool. Hit a young, uh, just a canvas base of Brent Burns, young gun of Kiefer Bellows, uh, Brian, son of Brian Bellows. One of these portraits cards of Roman Yossi, defenseman for the Nashville Predators. Uh, jersey card, Billy, Billy, Detroit Red Wings, Abdulkader. Oh, that's my boy, too. That's your boy. Young gun of Mikhail Burden, goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, young gun of Philip Broberg from the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know what position he plays, but uh, oh, no. doesn't Does it not say the position on defense? I see the D in there. He's a defenseman. Uh, Nick Suzuki, young gun, uh, not a canvas, not a young gun, but just a canvas. And a uh, Kirill, I don't know how you say this guy's name, Kirill Ustamenko, goaltender for Philadelphia Flyers. And um, another debut dates about Ilya Samsonov, October 4th, Capitals versus Islanders. I like that debut dates thing. That's a cool, unique perspective. So um, still have a handful of cards to go. Okay, let's bring on Carvin and uh, someone else is trying to join as well. If any of you guys on screen, uh, you know, want to head off, um, feel free. In the meantime, uh, whoever is trying to get in, we'll let you in a second. Carvin, welcome. How are you doing, pal? I'm great. I'm great. How's everyone doing? Happy New Year, everyone. I know it's already past New Year for you guys. I know Billy and I are on the uh, West Coast, so we're still have an hour and a half away. So we're, we're going to blow some, uh, sing some songs, Billy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, it's actually been a tough time for me because I got exposed to someone that actually contracted COVID and I got to stay away from my family. So, oh, no. Yeah. Away, away from your young daughter. Yeah. Well, she wants oh. to hug and kiss all the time, and I just can't you know, let her touch me for the time being. It's already been a week, so I'm just staying for another few more days. And should be good quarantined I, I think i had contact with them one day after they contracted it so usually it's still incubating so i think i'm in the clear but knock on wood well uh, good luck yeah any, any fireworks yet anybody shooting off fireworks i've already no, got no, i mean i live in vista so I, I would hear the the one in um san marcos right and or the vista we, park it, it's already been going on tonight so uh, I don't know. If there's any fireworks, it's usually my wife. So that's that's the fireworks I get for being so much into into cards. So um, okay, so let's let's go back to the discussion about fractionals. Here's my concern long term. Obviously, when we talk about fractionals, they always start off the the more expensive cards that we're talking about, the PSA 10 Jordans, the the Gretzky's. However, there's not that many of those cards left over. So they're going to start diving down and doing more fractionals because they can't just do one card and say, hey, we're going to do a fractional on one card. They're going to say, what's the next card? What's the wax box? They're going to start going bigger and bigger and bigger, and they're going to get into the stuff that we all collect. So, for example, if we're buying up uh, Crosby Young Guns or, let's say, cup cards, they're going to start getting into those cup cards. Then all of a sudden, we're, we are battling for those cards. Whether it's 30000 20000 they may be doing it you know, because – for any type of fund to grow, they have to expand. Like Rally has to expand. They have to have more fractional shares, more items. Now, typically, you want to go with a high-end item, but you know, high-end item could be a case of Prism Basketball Wax right now. I mean, that four thousand dollars box up to fifty thousand dollars case now. Why is that? Why is that forty-two thousand dollars? I mean, forty-two hundred dollars box. Because for a while, Zion was going down, Job was going down. Why is it going up? It's it's going down. It's going up because the supply is running out. Chances are it's probably a lot of investors buying it. Now, as a result, because we're back to basketball, the cards are going back up. Um, but once again, Zion's not playing that well. Luke is not playing that well. Um, and also, Jaw's not playing, but he just got injured. Right? He was playing well and he got injured. And Trey wasn't doing that well. And Trey, I mean, have you seen what Trey cards are going for? 
I mean, the eight, 18, 19 watts right now in Prism is going close to 8,000 bucks now. I'm almost talking about $100,000 case. So that's what I'm talking about. Like it, it does affect it. Now, my, my bigger concern is it's like stock market. When the stocks get overvalued, what happens? No one buys them. Same thing here. If the wax gets overvalued, the cards get overvalued, there is no buyer. So that what happens, it's not a real true market then. Because as, as we look at trading cards, it's really like cryptocurrency in a sense. Now, cryptocurrency is different now because the government has finally regulated. They do are, it is traded on the stock market, but when it wasn't, the value is only as much as a collector or a secondary market person is willing to pay. That's what the value is. So if, the, if there is no secondary person buying the product, automatically everything starts going down right, in our marketplace. So I, I'm just looking at more macro economics in, in a sense, like the stock market, like we saw how BreeX went to what? BreeX was like $8,000 a share, I think. And then no one was buying it and then it just crashed and no one was buying it and it kept on crashing and it kept on crashing. So that's a potential that could happen because it's a, if it's a false marketplace, then BreeX went down and basically it wasn't even worth the paper the certificate was on when they realized that there was no gold in Indonesia. I don't know. I mean, sorry, uh, Charles, you're too young to even know what BreeX is. I'm sure Corey's probably too young to know what BreeX is, but uh, I think Dave and Bobby definitely knows about BreeX <laughs> stocks. Um, you know, same thing with um, in, in the U.S. Was that and Enron. Enron, yeah, same thing. So when things get overvalued, we have to be careful. We, we can't expect it to be even more hot, right? In stocks, we have something called the PE ratios we can measure up on. Unfortunately, in trading cards, we don't have those analytics yet, right? And I'm, I'm not saying that the market's going to drop. Obviously, I think more and more as we see more of these investors like Nat Turner buying PSA, potentially he may buy something else. That's what someone had you know, mentioned. That's a rumor. Um, there could be other investors buying funds, creating funds. Then um, like even over here in the U.S., um, I just have, you know, I obviously I don't I think you guys all know that I work for a, distribu a distribution company. Right. And even here. Some of the media companies, their their owners have now opened card stores and doing a ton of money every every month. So a ton of sales. I mean, uh, guys like Dan Fleshman. I don't know if you're aware of him. He's like the Gary Vee on the West Coast. Uh, he has a ton of followers. He's a, owns a media company. Uh, another company just opened up on Beverly Hills. The owner is his name is uh, Adil Jams. He's responsible for the LA scene of sneakerheads, and he owns three sneaker shops. And now he's opened up a card shop. So he has a million subs on YouTube. He's he's now promoting sports cards. He has a, a share of sports cards, and now he's getting more involved. So so those are the type of people that are coming into the business. So the more that we have those type of people invested invested into the business and have a business, it protects our hobby, as we say. But I'm just concerned. Like when I just saw I saw someone open a pack of card or open a, a card reveal. And they saw they got a Trey Young Gold PSA nine. They said right now that's valued at twenty five thousand dollars for a Trey Young. So this this is give that for a thought, right? It's Donruss Optics Trey Young out of ten. Not even the Prism card. That's they they feel that's valued at twenty five thousand. Let's go back to ten years ago. The LeBron James Exquisite Rookie wasn't even at twenty five thousand. In fact, seven years ago it wasn't at twenty five thousand. It was at fifteen thousand dollars that card. So I just I just look at it and I was like, wow, I just can't believe where the market stands today. Yeah, lots of points, lots of points there, Carvin. Lots of points there. Some of it over my head as I'm scanning comments as well. But does anybody, uh, anyone else, have anything? Any kind of? <laughs> I, I like what Dave says here. Tulip mania, and I have read up on tulip mania. 
Is that you, Dave, as in, in the in the video? Yeah. If you guys want to look at Tulip Mania, that's that's something that happened at the in the 1600s. And yeah. it's crazy. So it's just something of, of nature to, to look. I mean, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not saying the market's going to come crumbling down. I think there's still a lot of opportunities in the marketplace. But I'm just saying here, you got to assess the risk, right? If you're if you're buying because you're collecting, that's one aspect. Like Jeremy, you're a big collector, more so than you are an investor. Obviously, we all are invested in our cards. But if you're a collector, you're not going to let go of a card no matter how much it drops. Then you're going to be fine. If you're holding your cards like a blue chip stock, even if it drops 50% like 2008, you're still going to hold on to it for the guy to go back up. But if you're all vested in and you have a lot of money on the line with Lucas and trays and you know multiples, then you can get hurt. So that's that's all I'm that's all I'm saying is just assessing your position. Now, I'll I'll be completely honest. I do not even practice what I say. So I'm <laughs> just as vested as you guys are. I'm just as crazy as you guys are, right? And unfortunately, in this marketplace of how strong it is, it seems like there's more and more and more opportunities to sink your money in. And the, the more that the old G's in the business, like myself, that, you know, I sold like skids of Pokemon first edition fall. So I sold skids of jungle back in Toronto back in the day, like at $35, $40 a box. And now they're worth like 60,000. You're like, wow, like I'd be worth a billion dollars. But had I not sold all those skids, then I'd be sitting on a ton of skids for how many years? For 20 years, and I wouldn't have any money left. I wouldn't have, I would be broke, right? So, so you have to run a, a, a if you're running a business, you have to run your business. The key is turnover always. But yeah, inventory turnover for I'm sure. I raise my hand so I know that I know I can raise my hand next time, just like this. Yeah, no, I can't. Where is it? Where is your hand? Let so me if see. I raise my hand, then you, that's that's how you moderate it. Okay, that's, that's how I'm doing with, with this many people. That's how I'm doing it. I saw Dave Dave's hand go up, so Dave, let's uh, let's go to you. And Dave is going to show us a very off-centered Wayne Gretzky rookie card. Yeah, that thing's right off the side of the card there. If everybody can see it, Dave, you're you are on mute, Dave, in case you're you are talking at the same time you're showing us that card. Miscut. I'm it's uh well it's I'll show you the back. Whoops. Who just left? I can't even tell who just left. It's pretty I don't know. I mean it would definitely be OC. I don't think I don't know. If anyway. if if you're missing if you're completely missing border on the left hand side there in the front, then it's gonna be an MC. But if you've got a little bit of border left, it's gonna be OC, I believe. I think there's a little bit. I think really? there's a little bit of blue. That's a yeah, that is, blue on that. That is pretty off-centered for sure. That's cool. Always nice to see a Gretzky rookie. I, I hit a printing plate in that box of uh Jeff Skinner from uh the magenta printing plate. And then I did, I, I did hit a uh, an Alexi Lafreniere Young Guns checklist. <laughs> Psych y'all out there, didn't I? Young Guns checklist, everybody. Alexi Lafreniere still probably has some value. Good hit. Thanks, thanks, Joe. Thanks, buddy. Corey, Corey, let's go um, to you. More uh, regarding Lafreniere, I saw someone on a Facebook group. They were looking to sell two Lafreniere's young guns, but they put it in a top loader, but they didn't have it in a penny sleeve. So everyone pointed that out. Oh, it was pretty sad to see. Like, I think they, he said he was new to the hobby, but 
it, it was tough to see that poor guy. That's, that's learning the hard way. Yeah, that's, uh, but hey, at least hopefully, hopefully that he, uh, hopefully he did learn and won't make that mistake again. No one ever wants to see that for sure. For sure. David G has a comment. He says, when will cards be regulated? Oh boy. Oh boy. That's, I think we're a long ways away. I heard some discussion today about it uh, in terms of fractionals and fractionals are regulated. I don't know how strong they are, but there is regulation there. Bobby, you, uh, you had something to jump in on? Yeah, when the hobby gets regulated, that's when uh, everything will get regulated. You can't regulate anything, really. It's impossible, uh, I believe. I think that what they can regulate are the uh, what can get regulated are, are the fractional ownership. Anytime you're, you're you're issuing a security or you're taking money for an investment, you there is regulation and there is regulation in the uh, in the um, in, in the, fra the fractionals are subject to the SEC certain SEC regulations. I don't know exactly which ones, but they're not. They're not. Uh, they're, they don't just have uh, like carte blanche to get out, go there, and screw people over. So, but nothing in the hobby regulation. No, no, you can't. No, how can you regulate the hobby? What can you do? Who's who's the regulator? Who's going to say who? Who? What? And what are they regulating? Even what? Well, what are you regulating? I mean, I don't know. Maybe your what, show gets so big, you'll be the regulator. Well, I have a I have a hot take. <laughs> I have a hot take on twenty twenty one, and my hot take for twenty. 20, maybe not 2021, 2021, 22, whenever it is. And uh, whenever it is that the, the licenses come up for renewal, whether it's hockey, basketball, baseball, football, you know, for so long, it's been, we've, for a while now, we've seen the single license issue and, and people have been very comfortable that that's just the way it is. Of course, every, many people want competition, but it's been a single license uh, environment we've been in. However, there's a big change. There's something major has changed now, and that is the market has blown up, and the leagues and the PAs are not blind to it. And I think if there was ever gonna, if we were ever gonna see competition come into the space, this is the year that could change that and bring up, bring that about because the card market is so big and lucrative now that the people who can, you know, who can make money on it, being the leagues and the players might say, hey, why are we sticking with one company? Why don't we expand out and add more? I mean, I can see that happening. We need uh, to help the hobby exponentially. Who's got, who wants to, who wants to, to speak to that, Carvin? All right, so here's, here's I'll, I'll tell you the pros and cons, obviously, with uh, having exclusive. Uh, well, Carve, yeah. before, you, before you talk about pros and cons, Okay. Let's just keep it to, if you don't mind, let's keep it to, will it, is this the year that we could see that change? Because pros and cons, I think we, we have an idea. Unless you have a couple you want to throw out there just for context. Okay, so, so, so a couple of things then for, for right now, obviously there's a contract in place. I mean, Billy is Billy still, Billy's not there, but Billy can attest to it. There's a contract in place. When the contract negotiations come up, that's when they can say, hey, we're going to look at different options and we could split up the, the licensee to multiple licensees. But if you're looking at the leagues right now, every single item is an exclusive, not just I'm not talking about trading cards. Trading cards are exclusive, but so are jerseys. So memorabilia in terms of jerseys that they're selling, it's going through Fanatics or it's Nike or it's Adidas for hockey. Uh, video games are pretty much almost like an exclusive. It's one one company has a, a huge advantage over the other one. So in hockey, it's Madden, and in basketball, it's 2K. And then on top of it, even even 
television, it's now going to exclusives or split exclusives. So I think part of the reason is that it's easier for the leagues to manage when there's an exclusive versus two different companies. Because one of the things that even when I was at Upper Deck is that let's say the leagues want you to invest into a TV commercial. Well, if there's two different companies, your TV commercial actually helps influence your competition's business too. This way, whatever you invest marketing, it goes directly back into your pocket versus, and right now you're seeing huge amount of marketing dollars, whether it's advertising, whether it's uh, on the internet or whether it's TV advertisements or boards on the, the stadiums and all that. So they're, they're spending a lot more money on marketing and those are true dollars you're spending versus in the past, if I spend it, if Upper Deck spends it, then Panini gets the benefit of it or vice versa, there's two different licensees. But this way, whatever Upper Deck spends, they gain from it from their for their products. Yeah, I know. Great, great points. Makes a lot of sense. And I wasn't really, you know, didn't have a lot of information on other uh, other product offerings versus just sports cards. But Carvin, my question to you back is, I know the video game market is huge, but you did mention other licensees, the main and then the sub licenses or, or whatever, however you put it. Could you could you see could you see it happening in, in sports cards, too? Because these things are getting lucrative. I mean, Panini is, you know, Panini now sells their own wax for thousands of dollars a box instead of buying it for 150 bucks at the at the LCS. Would the leagues, I mean, I understand dealing with one with one uh, uh, licensee is a lot easier administratively for sure. Your, 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 your point about, you know, if Upper Deck invests in a commercial, it benefits the Panini or whoever else might have a license. I hear that, but I mean, so when Nissan advertises a car, does it help Toyota and Honda? I mean, they're everyone's shopping around the same cars. Like, I, I don't know that that I understand it, and that's a benefit for the sole licensee. But I don't think that's a reason for for to not have competition. And we had there are anti anti competitive laws out there too. And if this thing, you know, we talked about regulation earlier. If the hobby does reach the um, re reach the attention of whoever government official would you know the, the anti-competition people would would they say hey enough is enough you guys have to open this up and i don't care about your administration you have to open it up to at least one or two more licensees i don't open-ended kind of comments there that's what went through my mind anyone have anything to say to that or colin what do you what do you have to say yeah so like if upper deck if they've got like uh what do they have for hockey maybe 15 different products if you know if they open it up and Brian Gray from Leaf he gets into the to the hockey and he opens up fifteen different products, doesn't that just you know make everything like the the release dates are going to be on top of each other and it's just it's just going to cause a lot of uh, friction as well as you know what do I collect I've got thirty different things to to get now, you know like the the hobby the the hobbyist isn't going to. He's going to lose track of what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I think I think people gave up on collecting everything a while ago, but you know, more. It's almost like I think what you're saying is like option overload, right? Like, what are you going to collect? Well, you know, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting well, if it's, point. If it's if it's if it's an investment point, and there's something that's valuable from everything from every uh, different box, then you know. You're going to, people are going to collect it. Like the investor is going to go after everything you would think. I think they'll pick you and know? choose just like they do with among the upper with, within the, uh, the upper deck offering, uh, the assortment of offerings, you know, the investors pick 
and, and you know, even even the, the, the high-end collectors, let's say, like some guys go for SP Authentic Future Watch Auto Patches. Some guys go for the Cup Rookie Card. Some guys go for the Ultimate Autograph out of 99. And then there's people that just do Young Guns because they're simple and they're easy. And, uh, you know, it's just it's the mainstream rookie card kind of thing. I think people will still find what they like and they'll gravitate towards what they like. And maybe we'll see the collectors coming out of people a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good call. Anyone else have anything to add to that? Joe? Yeah, I mean, I I might be coming in from left field here, but I think I think we're living in the moment right now of the card boom of 2020 and 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 I think the card companies are going to respond to our, you know, elevated interest and I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's a revenue resource given that, you know, there's not walk-up ticket gates going on for most professional sports right now and I think they would they would be dumb not to like look at how they could capitalize on it. And, and, and I think that's going to create some innovation. I think they'll, they'll be thinking about how to, um, you know, take it to the next level basically. Okay. Yeah. Who else had something? Who else was someone else going to jump in there? Billy's frozen on us. Dave. Um, yeah, no, I know we've been talking a lot about sports in this show, but, um, you know, comics has also had a huge year and, um, I mean, I think all collectibles have had a huge year and also non-sports cards have had a huge year. Um, in terms of like, you know, in terms of sports, you know, cards are normally driven by player performance and then there's other external market factors that are driving prices up, but, um you know with comics a lot of stuff has been happening like with marvel like uh you know new movies come out comics just go through the roof and i mean that's also flowing through to non-sports cards like marvel cards which traditionally you know as a sports collector i i'd always kind of you know that that was like oh well that those things aren't worth anything but you know a lot of these older marvel cards with autographs have just gone through the roof um so it's another another thing to think about, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, AM in the in the chat says that Collins right all four sports flooded with product. It has to tank eventually. I, th- I think there's I think there's some insulation in place from us tank from the hobby tanking, and I certainly hope there is. But uh, but hey, you know what? I <laughs> I thought the market was going to tank in March, and uh, the complete opposite happened. So. They Anybody won't have, have the shelf space. They won't have the shelf space to put all the boxes, all this new product. We're like the card store that I go to, you can't even see the floor from boxes and stuff just because there's not enough room and there's not and enough I- stores now. You know, if it, if, if that was the case, if it's, you know. Yeah. Interesting take. Yeah. Billy and then Carvin. I still frozen. I uh, a little bit. You're on and off. Oh, go ahead. But we Carvin. can hear. I'll jump in on something. We can hear you though, Billy. We can hear oh, you. Okay. First of all, love the non-sports card comment because I've I've started working on a number of non-sports uh, sets. I'd love for you to do go off go off uh, on the limb one day, Jeremy, and just do a non-sports uh, card show for for an episode uh, on your non-normal schedule. But um, sponsored sponsored by a Burdak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
shoot that that non-sports question i i almost forgot what the other stuff i was gonna say i will say that uh uh on on the licensing i can't really comment on that sort of thing but um the listening to the market um i think you've you've kind of uh already seen some of that and i know jeremy's most anticipated product coming out uh this year you know uh you know we we see the 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 hype for for some of the old cards where we were putting out a metal universe this year and there's a number of other sets that i can't talk about yet that uh that are coming out um and you know a lot of that is based off of listening to people reading reading forums and stuff i know i i constantly say this i know we're not very active on the forums um that's that's on purpose but i'm on it every day i i wake up and i'm on hobby insider i'm on blowout i'm on sports card forum uh i'm watching videos and all that fun stuff and uh you know we're we're listening to what people are saying and uh you know you you've got some people that are just talking and then you have some some other people that you know bring up some very good points so i think you'll see this year um we're not just making more we we are intelligently building products that we feel the consumer is going to want metal universe jeremy yeah man well you know you know i'm and if anybody out there can secure a case for me uh please let me know i'm i'm trying to find case i want i want that product i i cannot wait for it I just know everyone's having fun watching Colin walk around his house there, Colin. There was a little bit of a, in the private chat, a little bit of a, everyone's watching Colin time. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Um, I want to bring up a, thanks to that, Billy. Carvin, before we get to you, I just want to bring up Native Card Guy's comment here. He says, I have subscribers from buying a million dollars in products to $30 blasters, and it's the same comments that distribution is gouging customers. I mean, I, I, don't know much about that but i and i don't think that's a i don't you know we do have someone carbon does work for a u.s distributor right now so i don't and i think uh native card guy is coming at it from a canadian perspective carbon can you shed any light on that for us though considering you do work for a distribution sure. company sure. I, I can help out with that so obviously that's the consensus and that's the perception and a lot of retailers are angrier than ever at distributors and i have those discussions with some even some of the customers i deal with well, happy new year where i live by the way right now happy new year right now okay happy new year guys <laughs> sorry to interrupt you Carl. Um, so so one, one of the one of the aspects of it is that everyone can't get enough and there's not enough supply i mean you can look at upper deck products we're not getting enough upper deck products for all the u.s market that to, to want that product and the tough part is because there's not enough supply Obviously, that's why everyone is looking at, wow, what is what is everyone charging? They're going, you know, instead of undercutting each other, they're all like, well, let's try to match them or wait a, wait a little bit longer. So I, I know that for a fact, even retailers are raising their prices as we as we speak when they look at on the online retailers. That's what they're basing it on. So the online retailers are almost setting up the price point. But the problem is that everyone, like typically, let's say three years ago, everyone got three cases. Well, right now, there's a lot more customers than they are was three years ago. I can tell you right now on a daily basis, we get over a hundred applications for our distribution company all over the world. And it's not just a, a, a US or Canada thing, it's Australia is booming, Britain is booming. Uh, I have customers in Thailand, Vietnam, Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, it, on and on. It's just growing everywhere, right? Not, not in the same sense of hockey, but hockey is growing and, and this is why it's growing. And I'll give you the reasons why. 
The reason why is that because basketball is the number one most global sport. Number two is soccer. Both those sports where you're paying $4,000 for a box of cards now, they're looking, wow, Marvel is only you know, $1,000 for a, a case of cards and I'm paying $3,000 for a box of cards. Now I get to have fun with Marvel. Now you're bringing the equation, hockey, UD1 hockey. Wow, it's $1,000 US for a case. This is fun. At a $3,000 per box price point, it's almost like pressure. I have to hit a, a Zion silver just to break even, that type of, you know, the return I need to get in that box. Obviously, a lot of it is, is spurred by breaking online. And it, obviously, team breaks, group breakers, all, all that aspect is, is helping the uh, consumption of these products. But what's happening is that there's just not enough products for the amount of customers that are coming in. And new customers can't even get to buy it at the everything's allocated. What I will say is that if you talk to anybody who's anybody here is a card shop owner, anyone's a card shop owner? No, no. Okay. So I talked to a few card shop owners. I said, so let me just ask you a question here for what you get in terms of what you're paying on a wholesale price and what you're getting on a retail, how much profit are you making per case versus five or six cases three years ago? The comment is that I'm making more in that one case than the five or six cases I had three years ago. So I go, so based on the volume that you're getting, you're making more profits now than ever. Yes. I go, so let's say if you got through five or six cases, would that mean that the price point be a lot lower because there's a lot more supply out there and you would actually make the same amount of profit moving five or six cases now? They said, you know what? I can tell you this much. I want you to give me five cases. I don't want you to give me to everyone else five cases, just me. So that's the expectation that all the stores have. Does that help in some some of the analogies I'm I'm speaking through the? Yeah, it's in, it, I mean it's it's in, it's an interesting explanation to to get right. understanding. Right. So so if it's, it's if every store was getting five or six cases, the market might not be where it is. There's a lot more supply for the demand. In. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, please, and then Joe. We'll go to Joe. Oh, sorry. Just to fortify uh, Calvin's response, um, I believe that I think a lot of people are running around uh, doing the penny stock. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to try to try my luck with uh, buying, you know, or speculating on uh, certain smaller, cheaper products. And I think that's uh, probably added in there too, because I know everyone's running around trying to find a product and everyone's trying to run around and see what the next new thing that's going to come because everything keeps popping up that's new. Now it's the non sports. Now it's what's next, you know? So uh, that's, I just wanted to add that to that. That's what I believe. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough for sure. Uh, sorry, who was, who had their hand up too? I, I said somebody's name there. Uh, Joe. Thanks. Yeah. I just wanted to appreciate, uh, Carvin. Thanks for all those insights. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's just a really interesting time. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine the complexities that um, people who are imagining the future of releases and, you know, distribution is a whole nother thing, but um, it's, it's complicated, it's complex. And I just, I really appreciate you guys for taking it on. And, uh, you know, since it's a New Year's Eve show, um, I just wanna say I'm grateful for all the people who make the hobby what it is today, because it's it's very uh, supportive for me as as a human to have something I can enjoy and and feel like you know, I'm following and 
and involved in. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy that good minds are at work in the hobby. Well said, man. Thank you for that nice comment. We do have, you know, we got Billy in the room. We got Carbon in the room. They both work, uh, you know, directly in the industry. So that's nice. We just lost Billy, but maybe he'll be back. Maybe he'll be back. Um, some comments. I'm just noticing uh, there's, these guys, the guys in the chat are having their own conversations, which is which is great. Uh, so I'm just trying to kind of filter through and see if there's um, anything here to, to bring on. There was one comment that I saw that I wanted to, to bring on by A.M., um, oh, he says here, uh, people used to collect coins and stamps. Where are those markets today? And I mean, my reaction to a comment like that is, well, you know, we don't really need coins anymore in society. We don't need stamps that much anymore in society. A lot of stuff is faxed and emailed and all that. Even faxing has gone away for the most part. But my, But sports is different to me because sports heroes are like a part of culture are the kings and the the you know the the rulers that were pictured on coins nobody cares about those historical figures anymore when for oh, bobby raises i see bob bobby kind of go oh well so maybe some people do historians do but i don't ever I'd, i've never had a conversation with my friends about king george or or you know uh any of these real you know sir john a who's that sir john a mcdonald Right. You know, but even going back further to like Genghis Khan and, like, you know, the the Greek, the Greek, the the old the, the Greeks and the going way back in time, the people that are on the historical coins aren't really I don't know who's collecting them anymore. I just don't know. And same with stamps. Stamps were never interesting to me at all. I think the point I'm trying to make, though, is that sports is sports are different. This the, the, the sports figures are a huge part. They're ingrained in society. So for the hobby to follow for the hot for the sports card hobby to follow the same path as stamps and coins, i.e., I know these hobbies still exist, but they're not out there in mainstream media like like sports cards are now. For the for the sports card hobby to follow that is almost like we have to stop caring about sports as a culture. Carvin. So coins and stamps are still doing fairly well in terms of the marketplace. Every collectibles has gone up. I mean, because everyone's making money in different marketplaces, there's the pandemic going on. And obviously, uh, I think one of the things that people always talk about the economy, unemployment, all these factors, that's really affecting people that are in the service industry, mom and pop shops, that's what is really affecting the people. The people that are, have white collar jobs and now staying at home, they're not going to casinos, they're not going to games, they're not going out to eat, they're not doing their 10,000 to 20,000 trip per year going on a cruise or going to Europe. They're not shopping as much now. So all this pent up, and right now, especially in California, we have pandemic fatigue now. So everyone wants to spend money, right? Uh, I think as, as this pandemic continues to be where it is and we have lockdowns or medium lockdowns or even mild lockdowns, we're gonna see continuous investment back into this business because it's not, I don't have to go out of my house to buy cards or speculate on cards. Second of all, it's like gambling. Right now, sports cards is like gambling, and it's not opening packs, but it's gambling like fantasy gambling. If Bobo has a big exhibition game, his cards go up 6x, which is crazy, right? Trey Young has 50 points. All of a sudden, his cards are going up 20%. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, we had we had stock, as a, was a stock, uh, Star Stocks, I think he was on, uh, Scott Greenberg, right? It's the same thing. He was like, hey, when you get your, your, your players locked in for daily fantasy, you can't 
you can't change your players. You can't buy or sell your players, but you can buy or sell cards. So this is what's happening now with cards. You're seeing daily reaction, the sensitivity to the market. Nobody wants to miss out on that next big thing like Luca or Trey or all these other players. So they're trying to speculate and, and invest or, or buy up, take a chance like penny stocks, I think what Bobby was saying. So, but going back to the, I think the, the economics, the reason why this, the security market, we see Bitcoin going up to extreme highs now. We see everything going up because these people have money. The people that aren't working are working from home. The top 25% that were buying sports cars in the first place, they're now finding ways to, ways to invest into money. So stock market first, then it goes into cryptocurrency. And I think there was a CNBC article that said Pokemon cards and sports cards, right? So, so that's what you're seeing. Now, the one thing that I will say is that because you know I, my wife is Chinese, and when China had their lockdown for the first four months, as soon as they opened up, because there was pandemic fatigue in China, it was the number one retail sales day for the, for the first for the next three months. It was outstanding sales. So even though they were behind on their GDP by a lot, they actually recovered a lot of it back in the first week. So once it opens up, then all of a sudden everyone's going to go out, and that that could potentially happen. Because I've been locked up in my house for so long, I'm going to go on trips. I'm going to go on five, drive for three hours, four hours. I'm booking my flight to Europe. I'm going back to Canada. I'm going back to Canada. I mean, I may be moving back to Canada for good in the next two years. <laughs> so, so um, you know, that, that type of thing is going to happen because of the pandemic fatigue. So once the vaccination happens, when everyone's safe to go out, then obviously that's, that's going to happen too. That you're going to see less money in this marketplace because now people are going out and spending that money that they miss spending. Right. They, they, they now have their old habits back. They don't, they don't have all this extra money just sitting there building up. They're going to put it into that. They're putting into cards. Now they're going to go back to traveling and, or, you know, going out the bar, the pub, whatever it is, luxury, other luxury items. Why would you go buy a fancy car right now for 150 grand or more, you know, like a real hot sports car when, you know, the, all you're doing is going to buy essentials. So yeah, uh, that, that make makes sense to me. Carvin, good points there for sure. Um, unless any, I, I have a question for Carvin, but I want to give somebody, anybody else have anything to say before I go to Carvin with a question? Just based on that? Okay, Carve. So based on everything you've just said, what what's your bold prediction for 2021 uh, in the hobby? Where's the hobby going to go? Considering that we are expecting the vaccine to make its way through the world here in the next, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, three to 12 months, however long it takes. Let's assume that that we can have a national in Chicago and us Canadians can travel across the border and come down there for the beginning of August. Um, assuming that happens, what do you see happening in the hobby in 2021? Where do you see it going, you know, with the, the baseline being these crazy values we're seeing right now? Okay, so what this is what I'll first say. If you haven't booked your put your hotel in Chicago, you better do so now. All right, it's going to be the biggest national since the '91 nationals in Anaheim. In fact, it might be bigger than that. And I don't know, Bobby or Colin, when you're there, I was there. It was mayhem. It was like you had to wait five hours out from outside to get in. So it's going to happen this year in Chicago. This is bigger than it has been. Everybody that has money is wants to get in now into the business. So they're going to go to Chicago. So book your hotels now. Yes, Corey. Um. Can you guys even sell me on the national? For one thing, like I, I like people, but I don't like large crowds. So, for example, I'm in a grocery store. It drives me insane when someone else is looking at the same thing as I am. I want that yeah, space. Don't, don't so I go. couldn't imagine dealing with that at, at a card expo. So, like, if 
I'm assuming a lot of these cards are online anyway. So what value is it to actually go there in person other than meeting you fine folks? No, no, don't go. Honestly, there, we, if, if your problem is crowds, you're going to hate it. So I wouldn't even try and sell you on it. But if you can get past the, the large crowd issue, um, it's going to be the, it's, this is, I'm just praying that our, board, our borders open up and I can get down there because I, I, I agree with Carvin. It's going to be the craziest national ever. It's going to be a media circus. There's going to be all sorts of celebrities there buying car. It's going to be crazy. I, I can't wait. So, um, so what I would say to Corey is, Corey, it's, it's really about camaraderie. I mean, camaraderie. Getting, yeah, it's, it's, it's about building relationships and camaraderie. And, and I, I hate to say this, like in, in terms of any business or our social being social, it's all about relationships, having face to face, you know, that face to face talking to each other, you know, with mask or even without mask, having a beer, you know, discussing your passions together. And, and you we all have like interest. And we can discuss, we can have these lively debates about you're wrong, I'm right about this player or this card. And and that, that's fun, right? And, you know, doing it on Zoom is, is one angle. It's kind of great. But because on Zoom, you can't invite other people into the Zoom, into the Zoom room. You can't have 100 people here talking or have a dinner, right? So, I mean, as of late, just from last year's national to this year, the amount of people that are following me on Instagram just because they know I created Exquisite or the Cup, it, it's just getting, I'm just getting, every day I'm getting like 40, 50 followers now just that's on Instagram because of that reason. And they want to find out, you know, I'm telling certain stories about the Cup or about, you know, uh, Exquisite and just some of the, the, the thoughts when I was designing some of the products. And people are like, wow, I didn't even know that there was that much thought into behind the products. I know Jeremy knows because I always talk to Jeremy offline and tell him some of my crazy ideas and Jeremy laughs at me and he says, do it, just do it, see what happens, right? So, um, but it's, it's, it's fun. And when you're doing it on Instagram, it's still social media. And uh, the one thing about social media, I'm, I'm, I actually watched a, a documentary by Netflix called uh, Social Dilemma. Go watch that. And once you watch that, you're gonna be scared of social media. And I think that's really important that we have to get outside our our social media habits and, and meet with people because that's what we are. We're, we're, we're a social animal and we need to meet people. So I would say if you have problems with crowds, you're not going to escape it because this next expo in Toronto, all the Americans are going to come up too for that too. So so that's, that's going to happen. So every single show for the time being, while this market is hot, it's going to be full of people. Because already as last year, or sorry, in 2020, all the guys I was talking to in Arizona at the Tops conference, they were planning on going to Toronto anyways. This is before the wow. pandemic started. Now they're always going to come. So I'll I'll just echo that, Corey. The the you know, but you said you know, aside from meeting you fine folks, what's the reason to go? But Carvin nailed it. It is the camaraderie. I mean, if you if, uh, but if you're not into camaraderie, then you'd really there's probably no re and you don't like big crowds. You can find, you know, there's more cards on eBay on any given day than there will be at the National. So, I mean, but the National, I can just tell you, man, I've been to the National every year since 2008, except one year. And, um, and of course, except for 2020. And it's like, I love it, man. Like, it's un it's so much fun. Like, I, I wish it was, and but I love the Expo in Toronto twice a year, the same. Like, I love that too. It's, these are the big card shows. I saw someone in the in the comments asked how long the national lasts. It's it's five days. Yeah, oh, Comsi Barry answered him. It's five days long, but uh, Corey, I mean, really, it comes down to, you know, 
I, I say on the show all the time, if you watch, it's like, I got, I got time for lots of friends. I, I love meeting people and building these relationships and, and especially with people that I share the hobby with, right? Because I mean, we're so, we have this in common. So if you're into building out that network in your life, coming to a show and shaking hands and, you know, bumping elbows and uh, showing, Hey, what did you, what did you, Hey, I just picked up this card. Hey, can I see it? I want it. Like we will get excited to see what you just bought because we want you, because we want to show you what we just bought. And, and it's fun to see what people are buying and what, how people are, are approaching the hobby. So, but if you can't make the national come to the expo, it's as fun. It really is. Bobby. I have to keep on clicking on mute here. Uh, so Carbon, uh, this is a question for him. Uh, do you foresee the uh, the national happening this year? Uh, it's it's tough to say. I think right now we're we're probably a month or two months away from really determining that the national is going to happen. Um, obviously, there's already talk about how the vaccination is not rolling out where they're expecting. Uh, there are like 20 million vaccinations, or expected to have 20 million by the end of the year, and there's only like. 3 million out. So there's 17 million behind. So I, I don't know where it stands. Um, even the, the one uh, Dallas show, it was like a mini national the last time. It was a couple months ago that, though, I don't know if you saw, like Marshmallow was there. Uh, Steve Ioki was there with a the gas mask on completely. Um, it was like a mini national. So people are hungry for a, a national. Uh, on the other note, for Corey, the other thing is that I, I said in the notes here, you can also trade with other people. And eBay is a pure transaction. So this way you can trade with other people that wants to trade with your cards. Um, but I, I honestly think that I'm hoping there will be a national, but I think even if the national doesn't happen, there will be some sort of show happening, whether it's in Dallas or other areas, uh, once the pandemic kind of dies down. That Dallas show uh, earlier this year, well, earlier this year, like last month was a big hit, apparently. I mean, I yeah. would have loved to have gone there, but of course I wouldn't. I, I, I you know, of course I can't cross the border anyway, and it would be a, a hell of a trip to get from uh, Calgary to Dallas to go to a card show. But, you know, if it wasn't COVID and there was no national, I probably would have made the trip just because it was a card show and there were no other card shows. So... What's that, Bobby? 11th annual national. Oh, he's got a program from the 11th national. So what year would that have been? 2002? Arlington. Yeah, yeah, it is Arlington. That's the year of the Gretzky and Wah promo card giveaway. 1990. Wow. Am I right, Bobby? That's the year that Upper Deck gave away the uh, Gretzky and Wah promo. I'm not too sure about that. (laughs) Okay. I'm pretty sure that was the one. And 91 was the... the, Oh, the and Reggie Jackson with the Looney Tunes, which I have a lot of those. I think I bought a bunch of them. Overstock of wax. (laughs) Not anymore. Now you wish you had that wax. Now it's kind of nice having the old uh, programs and looking through them. I have a big collection of stuff, so like that. The prices, the prices in the in the want ads section for sure. So, who else? Uh, what? Anybody else have anything uh, interesting that they want to uh, mention? Colin, let's go to you. Yeah. Uh, um, if the if the national doesn't happen, like the expo being in November, is probably a, a better chance of that happening. And then I think this year the national was scheduled to do to go in December. Um, I think it was rescheduled to happen in December, which would be awesome. If you know, I. I I don't think the the national go on, but if it goes on in December, having two back to back shows, that that'll that'll turn up the industry again. You know, like the 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 pricing of everything will just go through the roof, just from 
Like it's going to be an epic, an epic uh, show in November if it goes. Oh yeah, I, I I agree, man. Can't wait for it. I hope we get the national. I hope we get the expo in November. I hope we get the expo in the spring. But I'm you know I'm skeptical of uh, for that. Woody Bobby shaking his head. No, yeah, I yeah. think you're probably right. It's just it's right around the corner. So. Well, they need time to line up guests and people to travel. So you need three to four months at least. That's why there's six months in between them, right? So, yeah. Okay. I want to. We got a question from the from the chat here from uh, Dawa Dean. He says, "Jeremy, where do your guests see Jordan's Fleer going? PSA ten is like two hundred thousand. Do you see this card going to a million dollars one day? And I don't know the population of the PSA tens off the top of my head. If anyone here has an idea." It was like 230 or something. 350, Colin, I think. 350? I think it's like 350, yeah. 350, something, something like that. that. So um, so uh, Dawadin wants to know, what, what do you guys think? Does anybody have it? Anybody want to put up their hand and let me know if they have an opinion on what's going to happen with the Michael Jordan PSA 10 Fleer? Joe, what do you think? Well, what kind of time frame are we talking here? I mean, yeah, I think, I think you know, for – we could talk. We could talk about humanity's uh, longevity, if you will. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If 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 we march on as a culture, eventually the Jordan will get to one million. Yeah, fair, fair, fair answer. I mean, it's almost like it's inevitable, right? Who who would have ever thought it would get to ten thousand dollars? Never mind fifty, a hundred, two hundred. It's almost like a million bucks is right around the corner. To be real, you know, how long is it going to be? And especially if these things are gobbled up by by fractional companies and and investment f- private equity funds, which I know are out there too, then what does the float become? The population's one thing, but as important, if not more important, is the actual float of cards that are available at any given time. And and what is that float going to be? Because if if there's 350 of them, but 300 of them are owned by are locked away, like in these fractional companies, and this the shares are trading all all the time, then uh, uh, Chris tells us 317 PSA 10. So if 250 are gobbled up and there's 67 left out there for guys like you and me who can't afford them anyway, what does that do to the value? I think it pushes it up and up and up and up until the fractional start releasing them into the wild because it now makes sense. And then the price comes down, down, down. And then they're gobbled up by collectors and it goes up, up, up. This is what's happened in the hobby since the hobby began. It just, it goes up, it comes down. It goes up, it comes down, up, down, up, down. But it always goes up. It trends upward. It always has trended upward. We've noticed that the hobby is extremely resilient it's resilient to the 2008 financial crash. It's resilient to the uh, the 2020 pandemic. And it might not be resilient throughout 2008, but it always bounces back and it always has. I want to bring up Legion's Happy New Year to the panel. Thank you very much, Legion. Thank you for the for the the tip. Always, let's just appreciate it and not necessary. But thank you very much, Legion. Your your loyalty, your viewership all all year has been awesome. So thank you and Happy New Year to you. Um, that's what I think about. The hobby, <laughs> the trend. Paul, what do you what do you have to add? So there was a comment I saw a while ago in in the I got YouTube up on the side, and someone said, "In twenty to thirty years, who's going to want my house and my oars? At what point do these people get forgotten about and nobody cares?" Like I have a I have a six year old, 
Uh, he's only knows about Gordie Howe because of, of YouTube clips or pictures that I show him. So is there a point that, you know, it almost becomes moot and it starts dropping because nobody cares anymore? I think there is. I think it's a great point. And I think that is okay. So Gordie Howe, maybe not because, and so if anyone has anything to add, let me know with your hand, but I want to just, I want to, okay, Corey, we'll go to you. Then we'll go to you, Charles. But my opinion on that, Paul, is that yes, eventually nobody's going to care about, the players from the 50s. And then eventually no one's going to care about the players from the 60s and then the 70s and the 80s. And that's going to keep on going as the decades go by. But I do believe that the greatest of all times will always have a place in history, like the Gordie Howes, the Bobby Orrs, the Wayne Gretzky's, the Mario Lemieux, the Sidney Crosby's. But you take everybody else, and not everybody, but almost everybody else, it's like, who cares? Like, when does the Steve Eiserman rookie card become just nobody even knows who he was? Like, does it matter? When does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> That's a great question. But right now, people are still paying millions of dollars for Mickey Mantles, right? And and now that he's not a Steve Eiserman. He's a, he's one of these GOAT type guys, so that may not be a great, uh, a, a great example. But people are still paying big money for the, you know, not top tier Hall of Famers from the from the. 40s 50s so i think it's a while down the road but i do definitely think that's going to happen it's just like i don't care about the i don't care about the leaders of the of the 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 greeks back in the 1300s whenever that was i don't even know but there you go don't even don't even know it when when those people are of importance no i i, I don't know Bill, bobby I, i'm too busy studying the, the the sports card hobby than than uh than, than ancient roman history but you, my point is it but to paul's point it might be 20 years down the road it might be 100 years down the road don't know so uh we were gonna go to uh who who bobby were you next or was it charles go ahead go ahead bob no i didn't have anything to say i'm good oh maybe it was uh oh sorry it was Corey. it was Corey. we're uh, in a time in civilization where really we've only started recording stuff on video probably since what maybe the 30s Sure, there was TV, I'd say, in the 50s, but we started recording stuff in the 30s. So we're in a time now that there will be documented footage available of all these players. So I do think that, yes, some players might drop off in terms of relevancy, but for the most part, the true legends like a Howe, uh, maybe uh, even a Sid Abel, for example, if he's on there, you could always look back to these videos and they'll never be forgotten about because there's access to it. There'll be always be YouTube or whatever's after YouTube. So uh, while I can't say for certainty that these guys will be relevant in the hobby, um, I think it, we're in an interesting time because of the way we document things now versus say back in the days of, you know, some King Louis the eighth or something, for example. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, We'll see, but it's definitely uh, easier to be relevant for a long time now, more well, than any other, any other time in history. I agree completely with that. The video helps a lot. My, my retort to that, and just to add to the conversation, is that, and it, this comes back to, I think it was Colin's comment earlier, that like there, the, the, the shelves in his, in his local card shop, you can't even see the ground because they're just, there's just so much so much product there. Well, think about the clips. If you go forward 40 years, even 10 years, there's going to be so much video of so many players. Who's going to have time to actually go back to, to use your example, Sid Abel from the 40s and 50s, and nothing against Sid Abel. 
But are you really like if you're going to be looking back, aren't you going to be looking back to the players that your father talked about, your grandfather talked about? Are you going to go back 150 years? Are you going to go back even 80 years? Or are you going to stick to kind of the last relevant years, the last, you know, one to 40 years? And I'm just kind of pulling these numbers out of a hat for discussion purposes. And I don't know the answer to this. I'm not um, I'm not arguing with what you're saying or, or you know, trying to be against I, I i just don't know so but that's the thing you know uh com c barry makes up just your point too he says youtube will make players from the past stay relevant in the past there's no video of players i think that, that that's a good point but someone uh someone kind of straighten me out here colin i think george, you were first and bobby george george vesna is still relevant you know it's over 110 years since his rookie card christy matheson Ty Cobb, ever, they're still getting, people are still buying these cards and nobody has seen them play. So, right. Gordy Howe, he's always going to be there. Bobby Orr, like, they're still going to be the greatest players the NHL's ever had, you know, just because of the, the, the generations or the eras are so different. You know, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Jack Nicholas, he's the GOAT. You know, so these are goats, and I, yeah, and I think that may, I, I get that. The, there's comments, the Babe Ruth, the Honus Wagner from Dawadin. Yeah, appreciate that comment and, and agree 100%. You know, there are 100, it's 100 years since some of these guys played. I, I completely, what about everybody else? Like, let's remember, we're talking about five, we're, there's like five players, 10 players that were, that are of that goat status in each sport. What about everybody else in, in everybody else from those times? How are they going well, to stay set the, the set collectors are going to need them to complete the set. The historic <laughs> the guys the, that don't the, the guys that don't mean anything that everybody's trying to find. Will know? there be enough set collectors a hundred years from now collecting C fifty sixes and T two o sixes? It won't matter to us, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, Charles shakes his head. Charles, why don't you, Charles? Why don't, why don't let's do go to Charles and then and then. Uh, I mean, I had Bobby on tap, but let's go to Charles first and then either Carvin or Bobby after. No, I just wanted Charles to go first because I think he's the ultimate answer to this. Charles, you're up, buddy. Yes. Oh, just to add on to this, just from like from like my perspective, like you you don't see a lot of kids talking about guys, you know, like even like Paul Coffey and Mark Messier, and, and they're like you know, like Hall of Famers, they're great players. So what I'm thinking is, yes, guys like Gretzky, you know, possibly Mario, Gordy Howe, they're always going to be worth, like, you, you know, like they're always going to be worth something. But it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, let's say like 50, 60 years from now, Yeiserman's like a $10, $20 card. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. And I get that set collectors, you know, like they need these cards to complete their sets. And, you know, some, some years are going to be harder to get than others, you know, like 75, 76 OPG at a really thin card stock. So those in high grade are going to be sought after. However, you know, with like those like low end cards, there's not going to be enough set collectors in, you know, like even 30 years, I think personally, to where that's going to hold their value up. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of what I think too. I think set collecting is, is going to become a lost art to a degree and be, and so, somewhat because the card companies, it's like they have to produce uh hold on, bring Billy back the card. Sorry, Billy just noticed you there. The card companies have to produce these base sets like to fill in these packages, but you watch the breakers. Even me, I busted a box. I busted a box of uh, series one tonight while we've been on. I got this stack of base here. 
it's going into my Halloween can. It's going to my Halloween box to give out for Halloween next year and packs a tent to the kids in the neighborhood if they can go trick-or-treating that. Point being that it's like people right now seem to want the hits. They want the big rookies. Is that's a this is a great this here's a whole episode, really. Is set collecting becoming a lost art? Um, and I'd like to hear uh Carvin. Okay, so let me let me go back to the greats. Um, one thing of note, you always hear about grandfathers or fathers saying, you should have watched this guy play. He was the best. You'll hear that about Bobby Orr. Like Kids growing up today will never hear about Bobby Orr, but people my age or even you, Jeremy, are going to Colin or Bobby, we're going to say Bobby Orr was the best player we've, even, we've ever seen. Better than Gretzky, in fact, his skating skills and everything. We all, we all say that. The reason why he's not the one considered the GOAT compared to Gretzky is that he got his in, injuries got to him. If there was arthroscopic surgery back in those days, he would have been a monster. He was just that good of a player, right? So that's what we always hear. You always hear stories. And, of course, the highlights will come up in, on YouTube that we see about the greats. Yes, I agree with you, Charles, about the Eisermans. They'll get forgotten. The Joey Mullins, the 500 goal scorers, they'll get forgotten. But the greats, the GOATs, as we said. The other thing I wanted to also address, and then I'll get into site collecting, is we've actually, Generation X, believe it or not, has probably been one of the luckiest groups of sports fans ever. We've seen all the goats. Hmm. If you think about it, like I mean, outside of baseball and hockey, going back to the 20s and 30s, we've seen all the goats. We've seen Ken Dryden in hockey, right? We saw Patrick Waugh, Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, uh, Ovechkin, right? right? And, and of course, Connor McDavid. We've seen all this. In football, we, we watched Joe Montana. We watched uh, the guys at the Cowboys or Emmett Smith, or we watched now Tom Brady winning six championships, right? In tennis, you know, I used to, as a kid, watch, like, <laughs> uh, as a kid, I, I used to watch Bjorn Borg or John Macro, and then also we have Roger Federer and Nadal. It just gets better and better sports. We're seeing so much of the goats. You know, after, after Jordan, everyone said, who's going to take over the mantle for Jordan? Well, lo and behold, it was LeBron James now, and now basketball stronger than ever, right? Uh, that There's a new goat in town now in boxing. I think the one sport that's probably the most lacking is boxing right now. Because back in the 70s, we had Muhammad Ali, we had like Ken Norton versus Muhammad Ali, the thriller in Manila, right, Joe? <laughs> exactly. And then we had the rope of dope. Uh, we had Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler. It was like there was boxing, like fights, like every month, it was like huge boxing fights. And now, it's bridged onto the UFC, but UFC is not exactly boxing. It's not, it doesn't have that, you know, the same allure. And you didn't have Howard Cosell going off with Muhammad Ali, like building it up. And that's the one sport that we're really probably in a down downturn. But every other sport, we've seen the goats now. We've seen, we're, we've been lucky. I mean, I hate to say that I'm, you know, Generation X, I'm over 50 years old. But at the same time, you know, we, we've seen a lot of great athletes. Now, going to set collecting, one thing that's interesting about set collecting, which I'll bring on, is that prior to this whole pandemic, or even starting last year at the National, no one cared about base cards. We had these breakers that threw away all their base cards, right? And going back to even like uh, 2014 and 15, uh, Prism Basketball wasn't selling that well. It was actually it was actually selling at a discount at $25 a box for Giannis rookie year until Gary V said, hey, I'm buying up Giannis rookies, base rookies. And everyone going, oh, you're crazy buying up Giannis rookies. And now those boxes are worth, you know, $10,000 a box because of Giannis rookies. And all these breakers, actually what they did was that 14 World Cup, 13 uh, Prism, 12 Prism, all these cards, all the base cards, they threw it away. So you know how we talked about our mom threw away all their 70s and 60s cards? 
well, these breakers threw away all the cards. All the Pokemon collectors, they all threw away their base cards. Like, oh, Pokemon's not going to be around for a while. So they all threw it away. That's why this stuff is worth a ton of money now. It's because even though we went through, we always talk about history repeats itself. Yes, our parents threw away hockey cards. Who would have thought that later on when Pokemon came along and didn't last, Pokemon got thrown out, right? And then all of a sudden when the breakers got involved, all the base cards got thrown out. So I had one breaker that came to me and I asked, or I, yeah, he broke a lot of Prism, he broke a lot of World Cup. I asked, hey, did you throw away all your commons? He said, no. I go, so what, did you, what have you been doing? He goes, well, I haven't breaking as much because I've been selling all my singles. His singles amounted to half a million dollars worth of extra money. That's how much money that was those singles were worth. Because Messi PSA 10s, and he didn't even get them PSA, he just sold them raw. Had he got them PSA, he probably would have got over a million dollars from cards. So that just tells you how huge the factor of throwing away cards is if we don't have enough room or we deem it's useless. One day we may see Beanie Babies be worth a ton of money because everyone threw them away too. Believe it or not, <laughs> Bobby's shaking his head, but we don't know. So, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll leave that there. But set collecting is a form because now the base cards come back. I mean, all these guys, all these old school collectors, they're actually collecting the base cards. That's why the tops chrome and I think young guns are going to be huge in demand soon. So yeah. Okay, Joe, uh, you got something, and then I think Charles. I'll keep it quick. I think I think where I'm at is there's a dialectic between goats and you know personal interest in in terms of like a, a player that you might be interested in i'm interested to see how that trends in the hobby i think more and more people are going towards goats and i'm not sure that's an entirely good thing but i understand it it, it reflects my position as well i mean to argue with people that you know are going to be successful long term and it's also kind of fun and interesting to have a few players that are you know the, the players you follow you know your, your personal interest yeah yeah well said charles yeah just to add on to the base cards i don't know too much about like you know like the other cards in the world but i know that a first edition shadowless uh uh, Venusaur for Pokemon PSA 10 sells for like $3,000. So it's, there's definitely, I can see with really exclusive base cards and, you know, we see it with like Burt Corbo and hockey base card. I mean, not that there's ever going to be that again, but when, when, when you see that, you know, like it always makes us wonder, you know, are base cards going to be worth something in a high grade? And I think it all depends on is the base card more scarce and is it hard to find centered? And is it of a really important player? So I think in other categories of cards, like Pokemon, it's already taken off, but I wouldn't be like shocked if it happens in other sports. Okay. Billy. Billy. Uh, first, this is probably gonna be my last comment because my internet's been going in and out. I apologize uh, for Jeremy, for you having to constantly bring me back into the room the last uh, 30 minutes. It's okay, um, no problem. I will. The funny thing when you were talking about the goats and stuff like that, I actually just had this conversation and some of you might know, I actually collect, uh, along with cards, I collect celebrity autographs and someone, the, the topic of like Julie Andrews came up and, uh, it's just like, my friend's like, do you think she's worth anything? I'm like, well, she has collected, it was like a sound of music poster. Sound of Music used to be like one of the biggest movies in the, in the world or whatever. And it, you know, uh the the stars from it were a big deal 
And nowadays, you know, if you ask, uh, you know, younger people, have they even heard of the mo movie Sound of Music or do they know who's in the movie Sound of Music? They won't be able to tell you. Um, so like, like, inter I think it, it's kind of like entertainment and sports, the same thing. Like, you know, stars from back in the day aren't necessarily like the biggest stars in the world. I hope those Iserman's turn into 10 to $12 cards so I can pick up a whole bunch more. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, you, it's, it's, it's a trend in, in not just sports, but in other things, it's just like something used to be really big and, uh, they used to be huge stars and, they're still stars. They're still, they still like, they still won all these Emmys. They still won all these Oscars, but you know, the, the later generations might not know, but then you have those goats, like you're talking about, like the Eastwoods and the Sean Connery's that are still going to be worth money as time progresses. And you know, that's, it was funny that you mentioned that because I just had this conversation with somebody. And then as for set collecting, um, you know, what, what's interesting is, you know, we still try to try to like have certain things where you can collect a set, um, but it's a lot harder now for those people that are trying to do full sets like master sets because we keep adding more and more inserts and stuff. What I will say from a set collecting standpoint, it might not be a full set that they're collecting. But one of the things that we uh, focus on is creating insert sets that maybe someone wants to collect the full insert set of this. Like maybe Jeremy, you want to collect all the PMGs. Maybe someone else wants to collect all the limited logos. I know Amit likes to collect uh, all the Supreme patches. So, you know, we we're trying to create, it, it might not necessarily be um, master set collectors anymore, but we are consciously thinking of like insert sets at least if we're not just thinking about the regular set in general for people to collect. I'm so glad that you do because I really enjoy that stuff. Yeah, selfishly. And, and, and I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to take off Carvin. Great talking to you. Always great insight from you, man. Uh, and everybody else stay safe. Happy new year. And I'll be listening, but my, my phone just isn't uh, doing the job right now to, to keep this uh, steady going. So, Take care, guys. Take care, Billy. Happy New Year, buddy. Okay, was uh, Colin, I think you wanted to yeah. say something. Yeah, well, for the set collecting, like I'm a vintage dealer and I'm like overwhelmed with the amount of lists that I have to fill for people. You know, like there's only inserts for, you know, so many years in the in the hockey cards uh, anyway, but 50s, 60s, 70s, like now 80s has just taken off. And, you know, people people are trying to fill these sets, trust me. You know, like it's it's a it's a big deal to, you know, because if they if they're that's what they want to try and sell the set as a, as a set eventually. And, uh, you know, just what's going on with the pandemic, like there's I've got a lot of clients that are they're just sitting at home going through cards and trying to finish all their sets now. And uh, it's it's definitely still very prominent for on the vintage side, you know, like uh, the newer stuff. Sure, you're probably not going to finish out the sets because they're not worth much but you know the vintage stuff all sports baseball football you know it's it's still it's still out there well i'm glad you know that's that's what's great about tonight here i mean we've got such a good mix of uh different perspectives you know we've got we've got young charles we've got like we got carvin billy you know bobby i mean and then and, and and then just these different perspectives from collectors like you know Corey, joe paul myself you know, I'm just a collector myself. And then you got hobby historian Bobby, like 
what, what a great uh, what a what a great mix. So I, I and and I th- I appreciate you speaking up, Colin, because you know it's a question: Is set collecting going to become a lost art or not? I like how Billy says at Upper Deck they are trying to build these they are trying to build these insert sets that you can collect now. And but I think what you're saying is from a vintage perspective, people are still collecting those sets, and yeah, I bet people will because people I think some people like like myself, like Bobby, we like to be somewhat of a historian and collecting. Let me try and do it. Uh, going back in time is like a part of being of being a historian and collecting those sets and being a custodian of of the history. So, um, and good stuff, good good stuff. Joe, were you uh, Bobby? You you you've got your hand up. I'll let you go. Uh, yeah, just rewinding a little bit to uh, what Carvin was saying. I, I know we were, you were talking about Bobby Orr and uh, and Wayne Gretzky as being the goal. You have to understand. I guess Bobby Orr, he was a defenseman who's won the scoring league. You know. Whereas Wayne Gretzky was a forward who won, you know, obviously what he did. So the GOAT was Bobby Orr, and it changed uh, only of late to uh, to Wayne Gretzky. And getting back to uh, what Charles was saying, uh, you know, he was talking, referring to the Burt Crowbow. The Burt Crowbow was short printed. It was in a chocolate bar, and it was a short printed card. They didn't want to redeem a, a prize, so that's why they short printed. They got in trouble in that time period. But going to today, and we look at it, there's short prints now because things are limited to numbered series. Uh, so you still have the Burt Crowbows. It's just in a different way. Uh, and that might be Joe. That might be Joe. Okay. Uh, keep going, Bobby. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I think today, uh, with all the video and what we have, we have more of a sense of a, a future than we do have of a history. When I grew up, it was more sense of a history. So, you know, as we get older, uh, I think I'm at the back end of the baby boomer. I think I'm the last year. Um, but, uh, and I hate to say it, maybe I'll go with the X generation carbon. Uh, but <laughs> it's just, uh, I think that as we move forward, you know, those generations will change. And I, I do see people uh, drifting away from the vintage. You know, in Canada, we don't have as much of a sense of history as Americans do. I always give them credit because they always are very patriotic, very, and I really love that. Uh, and we don't have that much so in Canada. Like, who can name 10 prime minute, past prime ministers? Like, you know, exactly. But I can name 10 presidents or probably 20 or 30. So we don't have that. And that's where I'm scared for hockey a little bit, uh, you know, with baseball, you know, Ruth, Gary, all the other guys, you know, Mantle, all that's, they're going to be uh, uh, for there forever. And the goats of the hockey will be there forever. But the other stuff, I think we're going to middle, middle and, and slowly wear down. But that's 20, 30 years from now. And who knows where we'll all be. Okay. So one thing I also wanted to add about goats and everything. Um, uh, this is something that I was bringing up to a couple of people uh, recently. I also believe in winning moments. And when I talk about winning moments, that is really important in terms of baseball, basketball, football, anything history, right? Because obviously when we were growing up in the 70s and 80s, all we can think of was Paul Henderson scored the winning goal. The guy was not, he was a B player or C player, but he scored the winning goal against the Russians in that 72 series, the Summit Series. And he was a hero, a national hero for that reason. So when, I, when I'm talking about that, because I, I was comparing, you know, obviously the cup rookie of Crosby versus LeBron. And I said, what is LeBron's defining moment in a championship game to win the championship? 
Like he's won four championships. What is, but what is his defining moment? It was blocking Andre Iguodala in that shot that could have won Golden State the championship in Game Seven. That was a defining moment. I go now. You compare Crosby. He scored the goal-winning goal in the Olympics in overtime. That's a huge difference, right? Joe Carter will always be remembered for hitting that home run. Bill Mazeroski for hitting Game Seven. Those winning moments that happen, those moments in time, are what people remember. Those are what myths are about. It could be other issues, other other things like you know the Carlton Fisk home run where he's waving the ball into fair fair for grounds. Like those moments or the immaculate reception, right, with Franco Harris and Terry Bradshaw. Those type of iconic moments also can define the player's collectability too. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Carvin, because we always talk about goats and all that, but what about what about those those historical goat moments? It's like yeah. you can be a goat. But do you have a goat moment to go along with it, right? Oh, where you, where you're I, in, where you're in history, like that's the whole trout question, right? Like, does trout have a goat moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. So, so I think uh, that's actually something that has escaped the hobby right now. Or else, Joe Carter cards would be skyrocket high right now, or Bill Mazeroski cards would be high. But if you think about it, those moments define time. Or Kirk Gibson, that's another one. Like, even though it. I would say that the Kirk Gibson home run was probably more influential of a home run than any home run in World Series history because there was no reason the Dodgers should be in the finals when their cleanup hitting was hitter was hitting 170, a buck 70. Mike Davis was the cleanup hitter. That home run defined everything for that team and Oral Hershiser, of course, being the bulldog. So, but I mean, those are the type of moments that you remember. And when you listen to Ken Burns' uh, documentary over baseball, he always talks about those iconic moments. In, in history, so I think that's that's really important. And unfortunately, Bobby, I, I would I'd love for you to say the Americans are patriotic. Not these days. I've lived here in 20 years, and it's gone <laughs> completely opposite. <laughs> in the last 20 years, I've been here. So uh, let's, let's say half of them are more. So. Yeah, yeah, half of them are. <laughs> half, 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 half. Don't forget the Bobby Orr flying goal. It, it is that no, that's that's right. That's what it also was that the one moment of Bobby Orr's career is his fine goal. It's not even the '76 series where he dominated in the Canada Cup, um, and then of course for Gretzky and Lemieux, it was the '87 Canada Cup when they scored that goal uh, together and against the Russians. So there are goats. And speaking of goats, I was showing this card earlier. Here's my Roger Federer rookie from Net Pro Elite. He's a goat. So one most Wimbledon titles ever, right? So what is that? Yeah, what? What what issue is that? That's a 2003 Net Pro Elite. There's 2,000 cards of these. I didn't buy a, a graded one. There's there's one that's 2,000, and there's a gold parallel that's out of I think 100. So those come in the sets. Those boxes now are like $800 a set, and you get one of these cards. There's also Serena Williams and Rafael Nadal is also rookies in there too in that set. Oh, actually, 1,500 a set now. I think or 2,000 a set. Charles, would you answer the question of why you collect vintage opposed to today's cards? Uh, We were talking earlier about it, so I'd like to hear that, please. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I used to collect a bit of modern. That's how I got in, but I was always mainly a vintage collector. So I collected modern just because, you know, like at the time, you know, like this, this was like grade five. So like my friends were collecting it, you know, and then I went to the shows. I got a bit more serious, but then got into my modern stuff, started collecting vintage. Why I collect vintage, my dad got me into it. He saved a bunch of stuff from when he was collecting 
in, you know, like 1991 when the, the Toronto Expos were still going on. And he tells me about it. He doesn't remember much, but like he, he was a part of those early days. And so he saved a couple wax packs. We, we opened them all. Um, <laughs> uh, and he saved a binder for me. And inside of the binder, you know, there was lots of early 90s stuff, but there was a few uh, a few hidden gems in there. Like, I remember specifically a really beaten up Yari Curry rookie and a Grant Fear, and also a Hardy Astrum 8081. Don't know why I remember that, but which was his rookie and, and only card, which is why I like that card. <laughs> but I went to the show in 2015-16, uh, and, and that was my first ever Toronto Expo. And I was just looking around and I was just amazed, you know, like I could smell the cards and they like smell old. And um, why I was interested in these old players was because in grade five, there was a book of the top 100 players in hockey. There were only two or three modern players on that list. So I was like, oh, who are these guys? And then from there, I just did more research. And, you know, the cards just really um, it was like a piece of history, if you will, which is why I started collecting vintage. That's why I still do it today. So you like the history? Yeah, it's main. Yeah, it's it's history. Watching old tapes, and you know, there's a bunch of forgotten players. I could name a whole list of them, but you know, guys like you know, like Bill Durham, Harold Cotton, Sugar Jim Henry, Dennis DeJordi, Chico Mackey, just a bunch of guys like that. Like the little hidden gems. I like to me that that's 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 my bread and butter right there. But <laughs> Bobby's like glowing with pride right now. Are you sure you're not my kid? He's in tears. Like you can tell he's crying. Bobby's crying now. So so one of the things that I, I always go back to is in the 70s, 60s, all these players have stories about them. And I think hockey cards is part of storytelling. Um, and I think as, as social pe people, we love hearing stories. Like, for example, if I'm on Instagram talking about Exquisite or Cup or some of the ideas I come up with or some of the craziness, like the bubbling of 05, 06, uh, limited logos and why that happened. I know Jeremy knows about it. It was a frustrating whole experience for me and I don't care to get into it today. But obviously those type of stories, actually people can at least share your passion of telling the story, understand your story and really bond with you. And with the players, when you watch YouTube videos of like, you know, for example, you'll watch like the, was it Phil Esposito who was screaming at the fans in Vancouver during the Summit Series? You can now understand his frustration and you can say, oh my God, I can't believe Canadian fans were cheering against their own team because they played horribly or something like that. Like, that type of storytelling bridges the, these time, these players over time. You know, Or Mickey Mantle getting with Whitey Herzog, getting drunk after a game and going to a bar and you know doing whatever they were doing and swearing at each other, right? So those type of things are like great storytelling things. Ultimately, when we get older, we want to tell our own memories or our own thoughts or what we what we can relive, right? We that's that's nostalgia is a big key of our lives. That's why we collect hockey cards because it's nostalgia for us, and that's why Pokemon is a, such big collectible items for the for the um, the next the millennials because that's nostalgia for them. Who knows? I mean, the next group of people, Generation Z, they may be collecting digital digital gear because that's what they remember digital gear in Fortnite, right? Or digital gear in League of Legends. And if you look at some of the Fortnite stuff or some of the Roblox stuff, like the, the gear you can get, they're going for hundreds of thousands of dollars right now. And it's just cosmetic suits. But that's because they were in that arena. They may be nostalgic about that. So like one of the cards that I recently looked at was the World of Warcraft is that upper deck. We had the World of Warcraft game. And 
the, this card was called the Spectral Tiger. It was, in a, it was in, a, in a trading card game. It was called a Spectral Tiger. So it was nothing of the card. The card had a picture of a Spectral Tiger. And when the World of Warcraft game was on, um, the commercial was on for World of Warcraft. It was Mr. T doing his, you know, his avatar in the World of Warcraft game, and he was riding this transparent tiger. Well, that was the card. That was the tiger that was available in the upper deck packs. So at that time, that card was going for $600, just so that you can have your avatar in World of Warcraft to ride a transparent tiger. So a spectral tiger, right? I just looked up yesterday what it's going for currently, right? During the, after this pandemic, it's going for $15,000 now. Crazy. So, so that's a, that's a mount. That's a, I can't even show the mount in real life to you, a tangible item, but is it really that different than holding a, a sports card that I put in a vault and I just bring it out to you once in a while? Now I get to be really cool and socialize in a game, right? So that's what it is. So I think Generation Z may end up start collecting all these Fortnite stuff and, and everything else. Maybe you can address that, Charles, if you agree with that. Okay, one sec, one second, guys, because uh, we're just going to bring Native Card Guy on the screen. He wanted to come in and say something, so we're going to welcome him. How's it going, man? Go, you're on, you're on mute. You're on mute. Take yourself off and mute. All right, here we go. Yeah. So, what I was saying earlier with uh, with what what I was doing with uh, with cards and how 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 I actually got into it. Now, I actually got caught up in the wrong end of life and whatever else and saw breaks okay and once i got myself back back to normal you know got the kids back got everything back like with uh, native life like a lot of people don't actually get what actually happens and it's hard to actually get back to where you can do positive things now if anybody can actually see all my videos that i you know i hand out food i give away cards i do a lot of different things to try get uh the hobby back to oh i think we just lost them we just <laughs> We just lost you. I don't know if you can still see us, but uh, try and come on back and uh, we'll, we'll get you back on here. Um, in the meantime, Charles, why don't you, uh, I think you were going to maybe, oh, we have him back, guys. I'm going to bring him back on one more time in a second here. Charles, you go ahead. You go ahead and uh, respond to Carvin, please. If, if I think you guys were kind of in that sort of discussion and then I'll bring Native Card Guy back on in a minute. Yeah, for sure. That first of all, Carvin, that absolutely like shocked me. But at the same time, it doesn't because my um, my cousin he collects M Mega Man stuff, like unopened energy drinks, and I'm just sitting there like, what? But the truth is, you know, like with these different subsets of guys, you know, like collecting things besides sports. I mean, that market could, you know, like go crazy too. You know, like I could see that happening for sure. Okay, guys, I'm going to unmute uh, Native Card Guy now. Uh, oh, sorry. There it is. What's your, what's your, what can I call you? What's your name? Okay, he's not working. Sorry, guys. Um, it was a good story he was getting to. <laughs> okay, so. I'll sum up his story a little bit. I, I think that, you know, a hobby is a good thing uh, for anybody at any age. 
my father-in-law has nothing to do, uh, plays cards. I tried to give him a laptop. I tried to give him, he couldn't do these things. And he's just not happy with his life. I think having it when you're young, which will divert your attention to doing wrong things. And as you get older, midlife, even older, uh, as you get older, having a, a little hobby is, is, is such a healthy uh, um, thing that people shouldn't, you know, be encouraged to get into. It doesn't matter what you're collecting. It doesn't matter value as long as you're collecting something. Who doesn't look forward to getting mail? Right. And who doesn't want to wake up to a treasure hunt every morning? There you go. I know you. that's one of your favorite lines, right? Okay. Yeah, that's my life. Okay, native card guy. What is your actual name so I can refer to you as such if you don't? Oh, and he's gone again. Okay, quit okay. asking his name. I know. I'm just you know I'm trying to be trying to have a something proper to call. Native card guy just doesn't roll off the tongue so easily. Um, Three times and you're out. Yeah, but uh, AM says awesome perspectives, Bobby. And I'm sorry to all the guys who are commenting that I haven't been getting to you, but we got a lot of talking going on in here, so it's really been hard to to bring them in um into the into the show tonight like i usually do uh oh and com c barry has had his uh new year's about three minutes ago so happy new year's to uh to carvin happy new year's to uh to joe all you west coasters it hit new year's for you guys about three minutes ago uh colin is that your if you want to yeah. go in yeah, colin? Go ahead, yeah i got a, a i got a i'm buying a collection in a in a couple of weeks and it, the the whole deal is hinging on three sets of garbage pail kids that's that's you know like that's where it doesn't matter you know everybody collects something different you know like i've always said about the amount of shows that are in ontario and bobby can attest to this there's a model train show every month that's just packed with people you know and th that's just the way it is like everybody's different and everybody collects something different and you know like i, I sell a lot of records like albums there's tons of people that are buying albums right now that it's, you know, it's not just sports cards and non-sports cards. It's a bit of everything that's that's kind of taken over the world here, you know, with the pandemic and everything. That's why I love having you on the show tonight because you, you're really filling in the gaps for me and I, I imagine for some other people, unless I'm the only one who's total tunnel vision into sports cards. Uh, but I don't know that I am. So, yeah, I appreciate that, that perspective, Colin, for sure. Anyone else noticing anything other than sports cards kind of blowing up right now where you guys are at? Joe, Corey, Paul, I mean, anything going on in, in, in your necks of the woods that you're seeing happening or your friends, your contemporaries, anybody collecting anything else that's really taken off? Can you kind of, not not that I'm looking to corroborate what Colin's saying because I have no issue believing him, but I'm just wondering if anyone else is, has any experience like that. Paul. I, I find guys are are picking up some of the the old paper money here um you know it's we're in the oil patch area so people have a lot of money and um i think it's i mean i want to get some for my kids two dollar and one dollar bills even just the old brown ones that i knew as a kid so yeah i see a lot on on marketplace uh, a set of three two dollar bills selling for you know upwards of 40 50 bucks sometimes so paper money, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Nobody cares about queens or kings. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they care about money, which you can actually use. <laughs> well, graded coins have hit record prices that unlike you've ever seen, too. We're in that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter that there's a king or queen or you know, whoever's on it. It's really about 
the co the collecting marketplace. So CGC is killing it, and now they're going to come into the hobby uh, card market. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I see Carbon's comments: uh, sneakers, Funkos, Nintendo games, Lego. Uh, and I just see very quickly, Paul, you're gonna you're out of here. So thanks for joining, Paul. Great to hang out with you tonight. Happy New Year to you, and uh, we'll see you on uh, we'll see you on the on the show in the future. See you in the chat. Thank you, buddy. Peace out. Happy New Year. Um, yeah, sneakers, Funkos, Nintendo games, Lego. So sneakers is obvious because I mean it's just it seems like you hear about it all the time. So I, I'm I'm familiar with that market or at least the existence of it. Funkos seems to be a very modern thing, new thing that seems to have a license. They have like every license known to man. It feels like um, Nintendo games. I mean I see that happening. I you know you see you see sealed graded nintendo games going for like super mario 3 for like 150 grand something ridiculous like that but the one that the one that kind of i wasn't that fam I, a bit of familiarity with it, but not a lot is lego and lego sets being worth worth some money now that that i found that pretty interesting old game boy says charles yeah old game boys that's pretty cool anyway. we're, in a, we're in an era of what's the next best what's the next thing what's the next thing and it's in Jump up prices. Now we're coming down with a lot of different things. So the next big thing is is Mr. Big Bars. There's an unopened 2001 basketball box with Vince Carter. That's slam cool. dunk contest. And you, know, you just don't oh, no. smell. Oh no! It, it still smells good. That's the funny part. Yeah. Let me. I heard basketball purchase. Okay, I have a story about Mr. Bigs. Um, oh, go ahead. All right, Mr. Big Bars, which they don't have in the U.S., which is a great chocolate bar i mean it has the the wafer like an O. henry bar with a wafer in it right so well they do have it in the states do they not because they had shack on all those mr biggs uh most places don't have mr biggs i you know no coffee crisp the smarties down here are not smarties they're m&ms and smarties are oh. like little rocket you know the rockets that we have uh in canada yeah are, right so that's what they have um so mr big back in the 80s i think it was 81 or 82 there was a contest and I love Mr. Biggs and it was whatever Gretzky ends on the number of points you match, you win a Jersey. I think I ingested over 200 Mr. Biggs that year just to try to get that 212 number. And that's probably the reason why I had, I'm way overweight because of that reason, I think. Uh, there's probably other reasons, but that was one of them. Every time I came back home from school, it was like, oh, I got to get Mr. Big. Oh man, he's a hundred. He already has 180 points. This has 142 points. I missed it already. Like you know, huh. you wrap it in the bar, and, and the three digits are on there. So I, I just, I just remember that contest like it was yesterday. 81, 82, and 82, 83. It ran for two different years, and they, and they gave away uh, 16,000 jerseys. Wow, Bob's a historian when with, with Mr. Big. <laughs> I know everything about Mr. Big. So, <laughs> Corey. Um, changing. Is it okay if I change the topic? Yeah, no problem. I saw someone uh, comment. I don't know if they want their name uh, out there, but someone that you've had on as a guest, they said that there's going to be a lot of acquisitions in 2021, and that doesn't just mean grading companies. That could mean like you know supplies, for, for example, the Ultra Pro. It can mean any type of thing related to cards. It could be a lot of acquisitions. Uh, it's vague but very broad at the same time. Um, what are people's thoughts on that? Um, who said it? If it was on the show, it can be said if it was said it was in the chat, but they've been on your show before. Oh, was it Brian Gray? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's okay. Um, yeah. I mean, 
I heard him say it. He said it on the show, I believe. And um, yeah, last time I had him on, he said it. And it, I, I believe him because he's in the discussion. So he's, you know, he, he, he's not, he's not just speculating. He's speaking fact, I believe, or at least what he believes to be fact, because he's hearing about things that are actually happening. So I don't doubt it, but I mean, uh, I, I, think I have something, I mean, for, that's fact. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Beckett's already releasing supplies. Yeah. So Beck is releasing card sleeves, the the uh, card savers for grading. They're doing top loads. So they they already we've already solicited uh, and took orders on it. I mean, definitely there's a there's a shortage of supplies in the marketplace at this moment. I'm yeah, sure I mean, you know that's the, that's the Beckett Shield uh, line that they're doing, yeah, right? Yeah. But yeah, Carl, but Carl, yeah. what do you what do you know more about like mergers and acquisition activity in in the industry? Well, here's here's the thing that I I I you always. Uh, hear from people. Well, this company will never get bought out. That company will never get bought out. All I can say is that every company can be bought out. It all depends on the price, right? So uh, that's that's all it is. The, the price is right. You can buy Panini out if you want to pay two billion dollars or three billion dollars. I'm sure they would be kind of interesting, maybe selling the company, right? The, the owner. So so it, every company has a price. And I'm not I'm not saying that's the price for Panini. I have no idea. What it yeah. But, well, we yeah. saw so we saw seven hundred and fifty million bucks for uh, Collectors Universe, so that's a, that's a pretty good you know baseline to go from there, based on a pure speculation from from the armchair quarterbacks like ourselves. But uh, I mean, what would what I think what Corey's really maybe trying to get some intelligence on, not that we have it, but is like what what's the what's the next logical target out there? Is that kind of what you're kind of wondering, Corey? Like who could be like is is Beckett about to be acquired? Is is someone going to buy upper deck? Is someone going to buy tops? Is tops going to buy somebody? Is Ultra Pro going to be purchased? Is Com C? I think your targets are the data services, the Com, the data and the online platforms like the Com C's, the Star Stocks, the the card ladders, those sorts of things. I can see them being targets of some sort of acquisition. Com C would be a great target, I'm sure, because they're like the biggest online marketplace versus uh, outside of eBay. So why do you think that? The big question is really who's buying, and that's the that's the ultimate. You'll get your answer when who's buying. If it's a small person that's worth a billion dollars or two billion dollars, then it's going to be a five hundred to seven hundred fifty million dollar company. If it's a company that's worth thirteen billion dollars, you know it's probably going to go after a manufacturer, right? So right. it all depends who wants to get into this this game. But all all I can say is that hey, whoever comes in the game, everything may change at that point. We have we have no idea what. To expect from them now because they're not coming in they're not coming in as a hobbyist the one thing great about nat turner being part of the group he's still a hobbyist he's a collector if someone else is a, a venture company that comes in everything can change in our business so that's what i'm fearful of the unknown at least right now we have a known so that's that's what i would say that's what i would add yeah yeah we got some, I, I'm noticing a bunch of show and tells going on. Charles, were you trying to say something earlier or were you trying to grab Joe's card from him? No? Okay. Yeah, Bobby's grabbing cards from all the different squares here. It's like we're the, uh, it's not the Brady, what was it, the Hollywood Squares game? Yeah. That would make Paul and Paul in. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, we are, we're, uh, we're hitting the, Boy, this has been going for over three hours. This is the new record for sports. Well, the, the record would be episode seven, probably, where we had people on selling cards. But this is definitely the longest uh, discussion uh, episode we've had. So thank you all for joining tonight and everyone who's out there. I'm good to keep going for a little bit more, maybe 15 minutes. But uh, 
Joe, you, you, are you uh, jumping on or are you trying to do a high five? No, I'm, 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 uh, want to appreciate Carvin's points. I think that's all spot on. And I also want to, um, I want to acknowledge, uh, you know, Charles had a really wonderful show with you the other weekend. I guess that was like, what is that? Like 10 days ago? I can't tell. Time does strange things. But we are now in 2021. I just wanted to ask Charles, like, hey, man, um, I'm I'm not a hockey collector, but I'm like the only thing at my target is Upper Deck Series 1. And so I've got all these young guns. And you've probably seen me kind of like putting them up here and there, and there's this and there's that. And obviously we all know about Alexi, but do you have any other um, – ideas about young guns from 2020 that are or 2020 21 that are possibly going to be like good players in uh, the nhl uh first of all thank you for the thank you for the comments yeah that show was really good and i'm really glad that you enjoyed it but uh i have two guys that um i think are underrated and people are going to disagree with me on both of them but Igor Zamula for the Philadelphia Flyers, big defenseman, put up good points in the um, OHL. I think he's an you know he's a decent all-around guy. Only thing going against him is that he went undrafted, but we signed him to a uh, a free agent deal type thing. And an, an, another guy is Michael DiPietro, uh, goalie for Vancouver. I think that he's young, he's got a bright future, and. I know that in his one, you know, like uh, NHL game, a bit shaky, but, you know, goalies take a long time to develop. So I think in about two, three years, I think he'll be solid. But the truth is, you know, like any of these guys can can break out, you know, like we've seen it before with, you know, like um, Artemi Panarin and like guys like that. Because like people forget this, but Panarin went undrafted. He just signed with Chicago randomly and just, you know, he, and he did really well. So, you know, Truth is, we don't know who's going to be the next big guy, but I can, you know, all of us can make predictions for sure. Velarde? I mean, maybe. Like, a lot of these guys have upside. Like, I'm not denying that, you know, like, you know, like they have upside. It's just, it's all about where they are at their careers. And I know that some of the guys in this set went overseas, but and the guys who are still playing in North America, well, like, you know, like with all the NHL teams, I think, you know, every rookie has some upside. That's why they made it to the NHL. It's all about which one's going to rise above the others. Connor Ingram's a guy for Nashville who I think, like, his stats in the AHL are really good. So if he can just maintain those numbers and maybe get a call up. But I know that Nashville has good goaltending depth now that they added Casimir, I can't pronounce his name, Casimir Kasik-Suo. He, he, he was a Leafs goalie, but... You know, it's it's all about who gets the right opportunity at the right time. But yeah, sorry, I went on long about that. Al. <laughs> That's okay, man. I was just uh, anytime I see a fifty-two uh, Parker Scordy, how my eyes light up. I love that card. I put that up because I know you like it. <laughs> you should you, disclose you. your percentage that you have to give to Charles on his advice, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Charles, we we're gonna we're gonna start billing out Charles's advice at. Uh, $75 an hour, Charles, we'll start you low and uh, we'll, we'll work you up. We'll work you up from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Anyone else got anything else they want to chat about? We could, we got some comments come in from the, uh, from the chat, but, uh, I got to tell you guys, I'm, I'm getting tired now. So, um, and I know it's even later out East, but if anyone else has any, like I said, I'm good for another about uh, 10 minutes. If anyone else wants to throw a, a topic out there, even Corey, you want to change the subject again? I, I invite you to. <laughs> oh, I'm out of ideas now. It's getting pretty late here. Um, did, did it, did anybody mention, uh, Zeno Charles signing with Washington <laughs> hasn't come up yet. No, doesn't impact the card uh, though, does it? Well, it, it probably won't. Is I don't think his card was uh, that big anyway. Uh, but just just the battles against Boston. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, his rookie card, his SP rookie, is a is a great card. Tough and good. Tough to find a good shape, and that's a, that's a card that's going to be a valuable card. You know, especially with Hall of Fame knocking, which I'm got to think it will. So. Um, but yeah, as far as the hobby goes, he's not a guy that gets really any hobby love outside of his one rookie card. Um, there is a question from the crowd here. I just noticed it. Where did it go? Dawa Dean says, what do you guys think of Kobe cards? I mean, personally, I think Kobe cards are awesome. I wish that they, oh, Paul's going to run. Paul's going to, where's Paul? Kobe cards? I mean, oh my God, Kobe cards. Hell yeah. That was old. Sorry, that was old. Uh, Kobe cards. Yes, I, I think Kobe cards are awesome. I wish I could afford to buy more of them. I have I have a rookie card, and I'm grateful that I do, but that's about it. 35, yeah, crazy. Crazy what that card has done. It's just a base card PSA 10. 3500 bucks. Oh, what's Carvin showing us? Is that an exquisite base card? That's an exquisite base card. Really nice. Really nice. I sold a PSA ten and a PSA nine this week, and he's yeah. going. He's going up actually. You think one sold last night for four grand, uh, Canadian? So it's it's trending upwards. Yeah, and I just saw his his uh, his tops Chrome PSA ten sold for almost twenty grand last night. That card was ten thousand yeah. bucks a couple months ago. You know, it was yeah. it was, uh, it was down at three thousand up to fifteen, down to ten. Now it's up to twenty grand. That thing's been on, had had a roller coaster. Corey, please. I have an idea or something to talk about, and I've seen it come up on Flip and Steve's channel. Uh, I might have brought it up on there, but it's always interesting to hear different perspectives on this. You see Luka Doncic's base prism. It's like 15,000 PSA 10s out there. But if you look at the junk wax cards, there was probably still more than printed. And some of them might even have like a high pop PSA 10 count, but relatively low compared to Luka Doncic's. So... When are, for example, Shaquille O'Neal's, uh, you know, cards, I feel like they're undervalued. Uh, I'm not buying them right now, but I'm just saying, same with the Yarmir Yager, even though he's trending up. There's a lot of cards from these 90s eras, late 80s, early 90s, maybe even mid 80s, that, yes, there's so many of them printed, but could they, if they were all submitted right now, everyone in existence, could they you know, be more PSA 10s than a Luka Doncic's. I don't know. I don't know about that. So I wonder if you'll ever see these cards eventually uh, come up in value uh, to really high prices. Well, good, good, good topic, by the way. And I mean, we're, I just noticed some posts yesterday about 1991-92 Upper Deck Hockey, PSA 10, Timu Solani's, Peter Forsberg, Nicholas Lidstrom's. Apparently these things have started to blow up, which was news to me. And, and I mean, if they are blowing up like that, is that, why is Carvin, what do you guys, you, oh, you guys, you guys are, you guys are distracting me. I think they're, what are you guys talking? Are you? No, the, I think the reason is, I think all of us 
I don't know about Charles, but Bobby and I, I'm sure we have a lot of wax and a lot of singles somewhere in our basement. Okay. Of all those players. Yeah. So, and that's, so I made the comment to that discussion. It's like, well, if you, if there's ever been a, if there's ever been a card that whose population could blow up, it's those ones. But then I, then I realized, but wait, it was upper deck French that these guys were talking about, I think. And that's what kind of, kind of negated my, what I thought, but so I'm kind of going in circles here maybe because I'm tired, but I think there is potential for that, Corey, because these guys are bona fide Hall of Famers that have a ton of hobby love, like Timo Solani, Peter Forsberg, they all have a ton of hobby love. Are they going to, Are there, and Dominic Hasek's another one, maybe the greatest of all time goaltender right there. Are they going to go up in value or not? I think they probably, if Tiger Woods can go from 40 bucks to 1800, why can't, uh, why can't those guys Anyone have anything to say to that? Yeah, I think the market is, uh, it keeps going up and up and up, but it, there is a leveling off point and then there's a drop uh, for a lot of these because everyone's getting into speculating again, right? So they're going to jump into this hobby and go, oh, wow, I'm going to speculate. I think, yeah, Yager, Yager, got to get 10. So it's, it's, you know, and then that trend kind of goes away and it levels off. I, you know, it's a lot of OPG Premier out there, high grade. There's yeah. a lot of, uh, and you know, you're talking probably 500 tens at least. Yeah, yeah. easily. Charles? So, oh, sorry, Bob. Finish no, finish finish. Bobby. Yeah, done. Okay. Charles? Okay, sorry, but I just like, I just thought of this, like, and it just came to my head. Mike Bonanno, PSA 10 OPG Premier smashed the previous sold comp. One sold for 320 on PWCC. Wow. Yeah, I was tracking that, and I'm like, dude, this this is this is gonna go like far, and that happened, and that to me was just, I mean, that just smashed the record, like, oh, and also something too that I didn't notice, and like this isn't like significant, but a Ron Francis PSA eight sold for a hundred and ten dollars randomly, and it was a thirty dollar card, and it just randomly sold for one ten. There are one-offs in the hobby. There are one-offs. I'm not saying yeah. they are, but it does happen, you know, especially you just get two guys that, that kind of like uh, anger bid, and all of a sudden they uh, they can get pretty high up there. So Carlos was in on the Madano, no doubt. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, that's only because he's American, though. That's yeah. the only reason. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there are cards like in 9091. The score set is a very tough grade because the, the, the uh, red edges – so the Lindros, the Lindros, and the Bodura are going to be tough grades to get a PSA ten. So I, I think there is opportunities for the junk wax, and I think what I think was Bobby was saying this, or it was a Colin saying that, even though there's a junk wax error, those cards are really hard to grade out. Yeah, that, that said, it's just packed with rookies. Madonna's in there, right? And that's actually a tougher grade. I think the best Madonna rookie is in is the upper deck one, or is it the OPT Premier? Premier probably. Premier. But Premier grades really easy though. It has white edges. These ones are a lot tougher. Right? So, so I think there's an opportunity. And obviously there's Pablo Burry in the high number set too. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, they're just they're just not worth enough to grade though, because if you don't get a ten, you know, you just wasted all your money. Well that's you know, that's, that's the problem. And grading is getting more expensive and and that's why there's a, there's a premium on it. I, I agree with you. But I mean even then they I mean people will buy raw cards to grade, so you can sell it that way too as well. I just like it because I have a basement full of that stuff. I also have a basement full of 96, 97, 97, 8 basketball. I have a ton of it. So I left in January 31st 
back down here and not seeing the value of all those Kobe rookies and everything else is worth a lot. And meanwhile, I have like monster boxes full of that stuff. So yeah. hopefully yeah. I have some Kobe rookies in there. That's a lot right. of good rookies that year. A lot of good rookies that year. Yes. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to name in, in uh, Kelowna, BC, Indigenous Rookie Cards. Happy New Year, buddy. I just I just searched for the Medano Opeachy Premier sales. And so, you know, Charles is talking about the one that sold yesterday for $246 US, where the same day one sold for 130 US and two days earlier, one sold for 99 US. So the Mike and, and like back on December 15th, one sold for 77 and then 72. So it's kind of all over the place. That's for sure. Consistently inconsistent. Exactly. Exactly. I think this one just the other day, uh, Charles, for, for the 246 US, which is your three, whatever Canadian is, uh, it, you know, it's a PWCC auction. They do get premiums for their stuff. They just have people that only bid with them a lot of the time. Um, guys, we got to wrap this up. I know we, I'm sure a bunch of you could keep on going, but, um, I can't. So, so the one, one last thing I will say is that if there's an underrated card and I talked to you about this, Jeremy, I believe it's the Crosby rookie. I think Crosby is the one card that is really underrated. This Ovechkin overtook him on every angle and Crosby has three championships, the winning the golden goal, won two gold medals and Ovechkin only has a one Stanley cup. Yes. Ovechkin ever since. They've been talking about him breaking the record. It's, it's now surpassed him. But obviously, when yeah. I was looking at the pricing back seven years ago, Crosby was even higher than LeBron was. And now LeBron's a million dollars and Crosby's a $40,000 card in Cup. Yeah. So, so I can say this now because I finally finished my transaction. I, I secured my Cup rookie, so I got it. So I got. I, I ended up buying a Cup rookie recently. You did. You got a Crosby Cup rookie. Yeah, I paid, I paid a lot for it, but I got it. So now I can start doing my evangelism for Crosby rookies. And I think the young guns are way underrated. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I have a lot of his young guns. I don't, and so I, I, I actually believe that he will be the, the guy that everyone's going to be buying up right now. Yeah. I think, I think Crosby, I, like you said, that golden goal, that moment is, is, is uh, critical in Canadian, I mean, I remember where I was when that goal was scored. Well, I was, so, at, I was in the game, so it, it, I remember <laughs> completely. If anyone yeah. had, I had an extra ticket right behind the goal, so I, I, I actually would have given anybody a ticket had they been talking to me at that time. I would have um, come with you. I would have come with you. <laughs> the one, the one thing I'll say is that a lot of people don't understand in terms of basketball tops chrome, football tops chrome, baseball sporting chrome, hockey the tops chrome is young guns. Yeah. It's, it's very simple. It's young guns. Yeah. In fact, young guns odds are actually tougher than Topps Chrome. Topps Chrome, you would get a LeBron in every two boxes, guaranteed. Young guns, you only get one in every seven boxes. So, right. I'll just yeah. I'll get out there at the end of today. Well, all you need to do is compare the population too, right? Between right. Uh, between the Crosby and whatever basketball card, whatever Topps Chrome basketball card you want to do from the same uh, era, for sure, yeah. guys. Let's go around the horn and say our good nights. And uh, and I, I just I'll thank you all for joining. It was a lot of lot of fun. Good conversation. I can't believe we've gone for three and a half hours. It it got went by really fast. But, uh, but and mention uh, your card that you're looking forward to getting this year, or whatever. As you go around, right? A card that we want to pick up in 2021. It's the new year, yeah. What are you yeah. looking forward to? And that's it. Go around. All right. Well, let's let's, let's let's start with Joe. I'm looking forward to, uh, I want an Opeachy Gretzky rookie card. 
And this has been a great experience. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Joe. Let's go to Corey. Um, I have more long-term goals for cards that I want, and I don't see it being accomplished in 2021. I, I'm looking more towards 2022, and uh, I'd like to see a quality Gretzky uh, by that time, but I don't see it happening this year. And the way I budgeted for my cards and to sell them, I don't see it, you know, given turnaround times. Yeah, won't be this year, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, fair enough. I just want to AM is that when's the next next show is on Saturday, two days from now. I've got uh, we've got it's a it's a it's really a, a card ladder uh, double feature with uh, Josh Johnson on the main show and then Chris McGill on after hours on Saturday. So that'll be a lot of fun for everybody to uh, to tune into that. Uh, Barry, I want to thank you for this comment. That's really neat. Uh, this episode, which ends the year, is one of your best shows. Thank you, Barry, and thank you for being in the in the chat with us tonight, buddy. Great to have you as always. Um, okay, let's go to Charles. A card that I've been looking for for a while, and then I, I want to get one, not necessarily in the highest grade, but just really nicely centered. Alex Falconer, rookie. I mean, I've I've always wanted one for the PC, and I think this is the year I'm finally going to get one. Right on. Good job. Colin, how about you? Um, I want to get a, a Gordy Howe rookie. I, I, I get them all the time and I keep selling them. <laughs> and I keep having seller's remorse. Yeah, you will. You'll, you'll, you'll go through a couple more in, in 2021 probably. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this time you'll keep one. Bobby, what yeah. are you looking for this year? Any, any items that have eluded you and not necessarily a card, of course? No, it can be a card because I, I do still have cards as you well know. Uh, I think I would be looking for Gilmore 10. Doug Gilmore. Nice. Nice selection. Nice selection. How about you, Carvin? He's undervalued. Yeah. Then, oh, but I wanted to ask Charles exactly uh, why Alex Faulkner? Because he's from Newfoundland? That's the only reason why his, his card is worth a lot. Really. Yeah, just because of that. And I think that it plays a part in, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, the more attainable Burt Corbo in a way. I mean, you, I mean, you see them. But a lot of people don't really know about like the whole story behind Alex Falconer. But like a lot of like the like you know like the vintage guys do. But I don't know. It's just a cool card to me. It's the first uh, Newfoundland player to play in the NHL. I think it's a great historical piece. So that's why I want it nicely centered. And yeah, it's just really cool. Bobby, they made, they made chocolate bars uh, with Alex Falconer yeah. on it. I've had two wrappers, and there's two known. <laughs> awesome. That's your scary rare stuff. That's anyways. Cool. Carvin, what about what about you, Carve? Is that Mr. Big Chocolate Bar? No, it was a uh, Patterson Chocolate. Okay, here's my here's my here's my card. I'm I'm actually starting. You saw the Federer card I have. I actually have another card I just recently acquired by the name of Alex Honnold. Look him up. He's the guy in Free Solo in the documentary. I consider him the goats of all goats, to be honest. Because if you make a mistake, he dies. So <laughs> so he's a free climber. He he climbed uh, El Capitan. I bought that one. But the next goat I'm chasing now is is actually from F1. His name is Lewis Hamilton. So he is going to win probably next year his 10th F1 title. I've been a huge F1 fan since I was about, I think, 11 or 12 when Joe Villeneuve was the driver for Ferrari back in Canada. And Jacques Villeneuve won the F1 title, his son, back, I believe, in 98. So I've been a historian with about that. And I'm a huge Ayrton Senna fan. But Lewis Hamilton, yeah, he's the goat of f1 racing so when the card comes out there's a dynasty a hard sign patch auto that's going to be coming out in dynasty uh, racing probably fairly soon 
and he'll be in F1 Chrome too. So if you want to look at some of his numbers, his Tops Now card was released about two months ago, three months ago, had a population of 2,900. It's already trading at 300 bucks now. Crazy. So just some goats that, you know, there's, like I said, we are lucky to be in this time of all these different goats in different sports. And definitely look up Alex Hono. He's an amazing story when you watch that movie, Free Solo. Yeah, another goat that hasn't been mentioned tonight is uh, Tony Hawk from the, uh, you know, obviously, well, everyone knows who Tony Hawk is, the skateboarder. There's a, yeah, Joe likes that. There's yeah. probably a surfer out there too, right, Joe, that we should all be collecting. Remember, there was a baseball, there was a, not baseball, a beach volleyball player whose card I recently was looking, Karch, Karch Karai. Anyone heard of Karch Karai? Yeah. 1984 Olympics. Yeah, that's right. He was. Uh, I I remember watching him play beach volleyball in the Olympics. Oh, that was that was fun to watch. He was amazing. So Tony Hawk is from Carlsbad. I don't know if you know that. I do because I have his rookie card because yeah. I believe it's a, a an under the radar card. Which, so, which card do you have as the rookie card? The Alan Ginter? No, his SI for kids. Nineteen. Okay. Uh, what year is it? 90, 91? 91. 91 SI for kids. Yeah. Kelly Slater, surfing. Yeah. Kelly yeah, Slater, that's, that's right. the one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, Tony Hawk. If as my answer to the question in terms of um, card, I would pick a card. I, you know, I there's there's not a lot that I'm that I'm after anymore. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of Michael Jordan '90s inserts I love, but I'm priced out of all of them. They're just you know fifty grand and up is a little bit high, but um, the one the card that's still on my want list that has been there for a long time is a Willie Mays rookie, a 51 Bowman Willie Mays rookie. That's probably the number one on my list right now that I can think. Yeah, that's probably number one on my list. Pricing. Pricing, getting pricier for sure. Because you already got a, a, a PMG Gretzky? I got a PMG Green Gretzky, I do. I guess I guess what's really on my list for 2021 is whatever's coming out of uh, Skybox Metal Universe because uh, I I'm I'm very excited for that product. I'm gonna collect a lot of it. So although I don't think I'm alone. So Charles, you go. I, I have another, I have another item. If you're on my Instagram, you'd see this. But okay, one sec. Uh, okay, Carve, we'll we'll do you. Then we'll do Charles, and then then we're gonna say goodnight, oh, guys. Oh, go, so. go to someone else first. Let me see if I can find it here first. I gotta find it. Okay, Charles, you go jump on Charles. Okay. One card that I really want too that is impossible to find, Vladislav Tretiak Panini sticker rookie. Yeah. That to me is a card that I I don't know why I like it. I think Vladislav Tretiak's one of the biggest what ifs in history. But to find that card, man, I've been looking for it for like a couple months now. It's just impossible. Wasn't his rookie I guess we have a issue with his rookie card. Um Trechecks, because isn't there isn't that the um, finish or another set? I forget the name of the set. Uh, it was issued way back then. I can't remember. But I think there's. I think PSA is having a hard time determining which is his rookie card. In general, we have a big tough time with rookies as it is, especially nowadays, right? Yeah, when you're looking back to all these old products that came from overseas, even right. Well, yeah. When did the rookie card status even come in? Yeah, pre nineteen ninety. Yeah, that'll that's, that's a whole other a whole other show. <laughs> Looking forward to that one. Yeah. Okay, he guys. Was drafted we... by uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Drafted him. Stretch oh, Corey. Corey, I see, I see your comment. The Burry Young Gun. 
what's going on with that. Yeah, you know, that that card should get love. The Buryang gun, the Fedorov. I thought those were great cards. Okay, guys, we got we got to kill. We can keep on going for hours, I think. But um, I want to thank Chris in the chat for reminding me to look for a French card. I did find a French card in my box, the Mark Stahl. Unfortunately, maybe the worst French uh, worst card in the whole set. But uh, thanks for letting me know about that, Chris. And um, guys, we're gonna we're gonna sign off. All right, we're gonna sign off. Okay, guys. Almost <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks, thanks for your <laughs> Okay. Good night, everyone. Good night, guys. Yeah, Thank well, you. Be, well, be Happy, New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. I'll let you see yourselves out. And uh, to everyone in the chat and watching, thank you so much. If you are listening to this on podcast in the next few days, thank you for listening. And we will be back uh, on Saturday, two days from now, with both Josh Johnson on the main show and with Chris McGill on After Hours, both of Card Ladder. So it's a Card Ladder double feature coming up on Saturday, January the 2nd. All right, guys. Thanks, Jeremy. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night, guys. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Peace.